Welcome to another episode of 35 All Grip. Today's guest, Chase Hiller. Thanks for having me, Dan. I'm uh, pretty excited to be on here. Thanks for being here, Chase. For the uh, people that don't know who Chase is, got a short little uh, intro for you. So here goes. Chase Hiller, a.k.a. The Hill Killer, has been on a tear the last few years, netting big wins on the world stage, such as Vulcan, Devil's Peak, and Kane K, No Paws Down to name a few. He's represented Team USA twice at the World Roller Games, but more importantly, the dude just likes to skate downhill. Chase is also a master free rider, pushing stand-up slides bigger and faster than ever. Not only that, his open road awareness is unparalleled. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> I like that last part. <laughs> so uh, we're just going to get into it. The first thing I wanted to kind of bring up is... Uh, the first time I kind of started taking notice of you on the internet was uh, the stand-up pendy. Yeah. Heck yeah. <laughs> the stand-up pendy's came a long way since then. It really has. Um, I just remember seeing you doing them huge. And uh, is that is that Bronson Shores? Um, Branson. Branson Shores. Shores. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is that uh, where uh, you kind of got the stand-up pendy dialed in, you'd say? Yeah, so I grew up in Branson. Well, I grew up outside of Branson and then moved there um, when I was in high school. And Branson Shores is actually a uh, lake resort that like we developed. And uh, we would like stay in the cabins and have tons of people come down and skate. And uh, it was like the best hills in probably the Midwest, to be honest. So a lot of people would come visit. And there was steep enough hills that like you could hit a stand-up pendy on them and just keep sliding. Looks steep as shit. Yeah. My... I have to give credit to Cody Womack was actually the first person I ever saw do a stand-up indie, um, like a proper one, and uh, yeah, that's where I got it from. Well, it's certainly uh, evolved over the years. Um, we're, I want to get into uh, open road awareness a little later on, but uh, I've seen you use a stand-up pendy in a way that's useful. Mm -hmm. It's a useful tool. It is a useful tool. So, Sometimes you can uh, you can put it into a corner. And it's the best way to get, you know, into that corner, I feel like. Yeah, it's it's turned into kind of a beautiful uh, slide I've been watching you do over the years. Watching the people uh, do stand-up toe-side bendies has been pretty amazing. Oh, yeah. I, that's... I, I put in the time trying to learn how to do them. Just can't do them, you know. I, I'm horrible at switch skating. And when you make the transition to the switch toe, it, uh, I just my mind just, you know, boggles. There's still time. Yeah. Be Always the, be the new uh, new thing you're working on. The new David Boubier. <laughs> <laughs> what's uh, what's up with Mo Love? Um, Mo Love is me and Adam. Uh, Adam's actually in town right now visiting. Oh, uh, right on. Yeah, Adam Hergonimus, long time homie. He's probably the person I started skating with the longest ago. And uh, I don't know. We made a YouTube channel together, and uh, you know, just pumped out a bunch of Mo Love videos, mostly in Arkansas. Um, and then we used to make a bunch of videos when we traveled to competitions and stuff. Nowadays, it sadly became more of like my personal, uh, YouTube channel, which, you know, I don't love, but it's, it's what I have to post on. There's a lot of good content on there. Yeah. Thank you. I must say, uh, got some videos going to get into in a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> there's some, there's some gold in there for sure. 2015 edit. 
watch, oh, yeah. watch it. You'll be scared. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I wanted to kind of address an elephant in the room, though. What's up with the uh, cast? What what happened? So, I fell at Tatonia. Um, I don't know if you saw the fall, but it was a good one. I did. Yeah, it was a good fall. Probably the worst fall I've ever had. And uh, I went to the hospital that day. And I got x-rays on my ankle because I couldn't walk because I hurt my ankle. And I thought it was broken. Turned out not to be broken. And my wrist was kind of hurting then too, but way less than the ankle. So I figured it must be uh, fine. So I just got x-rays on the ankle. It was a mess. Dude. I was in a Brazil hospital. I don't speak Portuguese. Didn't have anybody to translate for me. My phone wasn't with me, so I couldn't use Google Translate. I couldn't get them to give me their cell phones to use it. So we were just struggling pretty bad. And uh, luckily, John Fletcher came, and uh, he actually helped out a lot with translating. And then uh, shout out, John Fletcher. Shout out. Yeah. He, uh, and we got x-rays. It wasn't broken. And I left the hospital on crutches, actually, with what I did not know was a broken wrist. Um, and then I crutched oh, around for the next you know week. Um and then came back to the United States, proceeded to go on skate trips and skate for about six months with my wrist still having issues on and off. Um, and then, let's see, it would have been Secret Surf Spot. Um, Austin Padroni came out and he was visiting and uh, he was like, dude, I think you have a broken scaphoid because he just got surgery on his scaphoid. On the same, on the same. S- same bone. <laughs> um, he's While he's there, he's not skating because he's recovering from the same, not the same surgery, but surgery on his scaphoid. And he's in like a brace, you know, and he's like, dude, I think you have a broken scaphoid. And I'm like, nah, dude. And I eat shit later that day. And then it really hurt. And I was like, okay, oh, no. I'm going to go get some x-rays. And uh, it was broken and it had been broken for a long time. And I've been trying to heal, but without it being splinted, the bone was like healing kind of like Swiss cheese. So they had to go and cut out the middle section of the bone and take some bone out of my hip and put it in there. Oh my gosh. I was wondering because you're like, it's hard to walk around right now. Mm -hmm. And I was like, how? It was a wrist injury. Yeah, (laughs) it's a wrist injury, but they they took some bone out the hip. And honestly, the hip hurts so much worse than the wrist. Like, bending up to get out of bed and, like, sitting on a toilet even. Like, dude, it hurt really bad at the hip. And uh, to double on top of it, sadly, the day before surgery. um, I haven't skated in a month or two leading up to the surgery because I found out it was broken. And uh, I'm like, uh, fuck it. I'm getting surgery on it. Might as well go skate for the day before surgery. So we get a rental car and we go filming. Cause so I'm like trying to finish up my pro model video. So I'm like, fuck it. Let's go film a couple of guys. Yeah, what's the worst that could what's happen? What's the worst that could happen? You know, like I'm fixing it anyway. And uh, we're at Reynolds filming a run. Uh, David was filming for me and it was a, we should have never filmed it. We're driving up and it's insane traffic and like more people than I've ever seen inside Reynolds and it's hectic. And I'm like, fuck it. We only got this one day and I want to film this. So let's do it. And uh, the whole run top to bottom was very hectic. We're passing cars and stuff in a neighborhood. And then finally, about halfway down, I uh, bite the bullet, you know, like cars like brake checking in front of me. And I'm like trying to get around them. And I do a stand up toe and like catch a high side and just like fold my knee kind of underneath myself and blew my knee out for a few weeks. Had to have it in a brace. Couldn't really walk on it for a while. And that was the day before surgery. So I go into surgery on crutches. And they're like, oh, what are you, you having surgery on your knee? And I'm like, no, it's on my wrist. Like, I'm on one crutch, you know? And I'm like, it's on my wrist. And they're like, Jesus, what are you doing to yourself? My doctor was pissed off. He's like, you went and skated, obviously. Yeah. You're like, please don't operate on my, on my foot, like yeah. on my ankle. Yeah, like, not the ankle. <laughs> yeah. 
well gotta get it in yeah the universe at this point's like dude we're putting you yeah you need to chill out you gotta chill out my dad had you know i'm so i'm 26 so i'm kicked off family insurance so it's luckily it's it's my burden to deal with but uh he still wasn't very impressed he's like i mean you just if we're gonna start winning a lesson he's like he's pretty supportive about skateboarding but you know something like going and skating the day before surgery pretty hard to not you know throw it in your face a little bit i mean i kind of i mean i get the the mindset behind that you're like dude i'm already hurt like and i'm not gonna skate for months so i might as well be like one and dude up until the fall one of the best days i'd had in months we went (laughs) and skated it's me david marcella connor we had a secret squad of people and amazing day so much fun honestly worth it yeah worth it my knee is my knee is here worth it yeah it was worth it (laughs) i wanted to go back to uh um kind of the missouri arkansas kind of thing what's up with uh judy i used to always watch videos of you and kind of the squad out there skating that road looks pretty rad yeah judy's my uh it's my baby i love judy probably more than anything else um it's the only hill i've got that i'll ever get tattooed on me i have it on my leg uh and uh man yeah i I went to judy there was a squad in arkansas before me and it was called no coast skate and they have a sick tons of sick videos kyle ramsey ran that page uh and just as they were like kind of like getting out of skateboarding is when i was really getting in so like they had just enough time to take me to judy for my first time and i was horrible like i could slide both ways but not good and in neighborhoods i'd never been on a mountain road with like hairpins and stuff um and they took me there and man it was awesome and then eventually i formed like a whole squad which became mellow love and then we would be going to judy every weekend how far was that from where you were living um i lived in branson so it was probably like an hour and 15 minutes Oh, that's pretty close. It's pretty close. Yeah. So we go every weekend. Like me and Adam, we pulled a. Uh, I mean, we had lots of other hills in Arkansas we'd skate, but one time we pulled seven weekends in a row going to Arkansas. And this is a this is a pretty you know young in stage of our life, but we were getting a little Caesar's pizza on the way down into Arkansas and on the way back out at the beginning and the end of every weekend. And we were just leaving these boxes in the backseat of his Ford Focus, dude. And there was like. By the end of the seven weekends, it was 14 pizza boxes in the back of his car, dude. And it was like to the ceiling back there. Like it was at first we were like, this is like white trash. We need to really clean this up. And then it was like, became a point that we were like, let's see how many we can get in there. (laughs) (laughs) It's too late to turn back. Yeah. (laughs) Pretty good. Wow. That's really uh, um, financially smart of you guys are you spending five bucks? Dude, 10 bucks a a sesh? 10 bucks a weekend. (laughs) A weekend. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, come on. Wow, some longboarding 101 right here. Yeah, it's all about savings, guys. That's a cool, that's a cool road though. I, I would like to go out there sometime. I just never have had. Uh... We still do Judy meetups. Yeah, yeah, and you know I'll probably drive out for one, and I'll I'll, uh, I'll guilt a bunch of people around it, up some NC people, and we'll go out yeah. there. I'll rent a van or something, maybe. We'll take it out. Is the frack anywhere near there? Yeah, it's two hours south of judy so it's three hours away from where i lived okay um, and it's amazing as well yeah what what happened wasn't there supposed to be a race or something or was there a race so we hosted one race successfully on frack the deal with frack is it's so it's technically owned by the count like by the city obviously it's more of a town um but there's only one family that lives at the bottom of it and like the the last name is the street name 
So like it's fuck it's fucking there, dude. It's some Arkansas stuff down there, and uh, so like we got permission from them that we uh, could host a race there, and we hosted the first one, and uh, they let us close it down for sessions. We'd go skate it all the time, and we hosted the first race. It went super awesome, and then uh, we wanted to do it bigger with more people, and uh, you know uh, we uh, get up until about like what was it, like a couple of days before is i think when someone got pissed off and it wasn't even somebody who lived at the bottom it was somebody who lived like on a road next to it and they used the boat ramp like on the property and they were pissed off that they were having to wait for us so they like called the county and started up a bunch of shit and then uh at the event you know it pretty much like i forget exactly how it went it was like halfway through practice day they were like you gotta leave cops showed up because like the oh. county finally and they're like you gotta you guys all have to go um and we had hay bales hundreds of hay bales set up on this hill you know like a whole event set up we had tents and stuff and we just moved to judy um and judy <laughs> and here's the deal with judy <laughs> like uh judy's like a highway technically uh so it has traffic frack doesn't have traffic because there's one family at the bottom so easy to host an event so then we went to judy and we just shut down the road and hosted a full event there and it went completely smooth you know no cops showed up we had like a hundred and some people there you know good lord yeah i almost <laughs> came to that something happened where i didn't and i'm like oh, i'm glad i didn't yeah it was but. a i mean it worked out in the end pretty well and honestly judy's probably a better race hill than frack but people came for the experience of skating frack because it's such an intense hill it looks like some big ass slides it's a big ass slides and it happens like fast one after another like an nc you have huge slides and on most hills, you have like time in between them, but that one is just like bang, 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 bang. Looks quite unique, and certainly, uh, I've never seen anything else like that in that area. Mm-hmm. That's that's technically still the Midwest, right? Would you call that the Midwest? See, once, maybe we, a- once we go beneath Missouri, I like to call it the South, personally. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I don't know what the uh, what the books say about that. <laughs> the Midwest is huge. The Midwest is huge. I like to wrap the. Uh, the south though more so than the midwest you know i was on always on the south side of things yeah i mean i would i would call that area the south but mm-hmm. i don't know how michigan is midwest it, but it is yeah so. it's that's too far north to be midwest. there's nothing mid about it it's it's pretty it's, east it's not even west either <laughs> it's, it's, it's up like you know it's, it's north kind of east you know, really it's uh yeah we're gonna talk about the midwest a little later too because great um I wanted to kind of talk about uh, your, you've been kind of doing the world tour thing for the last, I don't know, five years, six years. How do you, how do you get prepared to basically travel the world all year to race? Do you do any kind of special preps or anything like that? Do you mean physically or financially? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Just both. Like. Like, what's kind of your, what are you kind of trying to accomplish to, to make it happen? So, for me, it mostly comes down to financial, what I have to make happen to prepare for the world tour. Um, I get just, I skate every day, like, usually, um, and I don't really call it training or anything. This couple of months before this tour starts, I usually free ride year-round. Like, I don't put square lip wheels on my board ever until, like, race season starts. So like a month or two before that, I'll start riding big wheels and uh, 
skating glove down and like looking at corners differently not try to slide all the way through them like it's the most fun to do but like actually you know pre-drift for a corner and like try to start gripping stuff the less fun way the less fun <laughs> way um so i'll start preparing myself that way and then you know usually after a month or two of that i'm like in race mode and ready to go in um and i try to practice on some freshies before tour starts obviously and then financially the winner is usually the only time i can save any money because there's less traveling happening then um, we usually still do like a Colombia trip or a Puerto Rico trip in the wintertime, but those are cheap, obviously, to go down. Not a long flight, and once you get there, it's cheap. So I do most of my saving in the wintertime. Just doing construction, odd jobs. I usually get a full-time job in the wintertime and then in construction. And then I, I technically I have my own LLC and work for myself a lot, so I'll go out and get a lot of side jobs that I'll do on the weekends. Nice. Uh, and like I, tr- I used to try to work for myself full-time, but it's so stressful trying to manage jobs and get jobs. And when you finish one, sometimes it's okay to have a week or two before you can get your next one. But sometimes if you don't have one the next week, like you're going to run out of money. So nice to get a high paying job where you're an employee and not have that responsibility. And then on the side, you do your own work. Uh, so I save most of the winter and then uh, get ready to spend all of it in the summertime. <laughs> and I don't save enough to pay for my work tour at all. I come back and have to work in between every tour. But it usually gets me enough to pay for your tour throughout the wintertime. The grind. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I've never done the world tour, but it's, yeah, it certainly seems like a grind. I mean, you're traveling for, what, six months out of the year? Maybe more? Yeah, depending on how you do it. I like to max it out because the flight is the most expensive part about traveling if you're going somewhere far away. So, Typically, I'll buy my flight to Europe um, and then try to spend this as long as possible out there. Uh, I don't get Airbnbs and I don't stay in hotels and I don't eat out at nice restaurants and stuff like that. Like I'll give myself a treat every once in a while. If I'm in Italy... That's a treat. If we're in Italy, you know, you just got a sick podium or something, maybe. You go out for a nice dinner. Get, get yourself a nice, you know... Get yourself a slice. Yeah, Italian <laughs> grandma whipping it up in the kitchen, you know. Uh, <laughs> and like, But most of the time, I cook rice and beans at the campsite you know uh and do it that way so you don't spend any money rice and beans shout out that rice and beans grind yeah. it'll hold you down mm-hmm. that's my uh that's my favorite thing right there some carne would be nice also but it's not required rice and beans will do the job oh my gosh <laughs> uh <laughs> were you were you in the mud oh i was in the mud i was deep in the mud dude let's let's get into the mud a bunch a bunch of people went out to hawaii yeah, this was inspired by David. Um, I've always heard about David going to Hawaii, and he's done it. He's been to Hawaii like six times, dude. Seven, maybe more than that. Heck of times he's been. And uh, a few of the times he goes to Maui, and he lives on Poli's, the best hill in the world, by the way. If you haven't gone, you should go. Um, it's the best. It's on Maui. And he goes and lives in the ham- in a hammock, usually, this time in the tent, just in the woods off the side of the road. And... Uh, no rental car or anything like that. You skate down the town, which is like a 20-minute skate downhill, and then you have to hitchhike back up the mountain. And sometimes you skate down the mountain too late in the day, and no one's going to pick you up after dark when you're hitchhiking because like, people are spooked by that. Yeah. So you, you just hike yourself all the way up to the woods you know, all night. Uh, it happens every once in a while. But uh, this time he inspired tons of people to come with him. So initially it was going to be like five of us, then it was like 10 of us, and then they... I found out there was going to be an outlaw race out there and it turned into like 30 
40 people in Maui for, for like one week. We were there for, I was there for just under two months, I think. Uh, maybe like a month and a half, hard to say. David was there for like three months, I think. <laughs> just start losing perception of time. Yeah, you know, you definitely start losing, losing perception of time. And we, you know, we're just asking for snacks on the side of the road and stuff. I mean, we weren't even, uh, some days you'd be like, yo, skate all the way to town to get food. And now, uh, like, let's just go out there and hitchhike and ask for food on the level of hitchhiking. And, uh, you know, you can, you can kind of live off the mountain out there, dude. Wow. It kind of works. Seems like, a, seems like a simple life. It is a very simple life. The laundry day is a sick day you're like yo <laughs> everybody need, like and you wouldn't do it. like maybe once a week usually once every two weeks or something like that you like go do laundry and you have to skate down to the laundromat and you put all your laundry with in. all your laundry yeah you skate oh yeah you skate with a backpack <laughs> full of stuff down this mountain sometimes about boarding uh and then you get to the laundromat and uh you know you throw everything in and you get to plug in your cell phone for the first time in weeks because like our phones was dead the whole time connor had a solar panel charger that it would keep his kind of alive for like emergencies, but like uh, really no phones. So on laundry day, you got to charge your phones, call everybody you wanted to call because you know your phone's going to be dead in a day. Uh, post a story on Instagram. Post a story on Instagram if you in a dirty laundry mat. You know? <laughs> and how, how was the weather? Um, it rains up on the mountain a lot. We uh, we got caught in a, got caught in a rainstorm for a few days. It rained for like I want to say like five days straight and. Uh, we lived on a hillside with all of our tents. We had to like dig like a foot into the ground at least to make a level spot on this hillside. That's so like brutal. we're out there with the tails of our skateboards, like a shovel, like digging out our tent spots and people would show up and they'd walk into our campsite and be like, this is where we're staying. And I'm like, dude, we're on the side of a mountain. There's no good spots without getting caught. Like this is it. And they're like, where do I set up my tent? And I'm like, well, first you got to start digging, you know? <laughs> and, uh, Start digging. Start digging, yeah. We don't got shovels. Yeah, no, people like, uh, shout out Jack Maine. Uh, he, I don't think I'd ever camped before in Maui. And he showed up and was like, so like, where are we camping and stuff? And we show it to him and he's like, whoa. And uh, he brought like a 10 person tent, you know, like, uh. a, like he like borrowed <laughs> from a buddy and he didn't have a sleeping mat and uh, had a giant sleeping bag. It was so funny. We, uh, he got hooked up but for the first few days. On Maui, there's no camping supplies at Walmart and stuff. No one camps on, on Maui, really. So, like, you go to Walmart and you can't find a tent and you can't find a sleeping pad. So, he's, like, going all over the island trying to find his stuff to camp. And uh, we actually made a game at one point, which was our, like, uh, there's tons of stuff on this list to get points. This is a points game. Like, getting food from strangers, getting weed for free, giving weed to somebody, you know, like, tons of different games on this. You know? <laughs> but it was one point for brushing your teeth every day, you know. Like hey, some of them were constructive. Gotta some get were that not. point in. Absolutely, <laughs> and uh, one of them on there was like 15 points for uh, Jack finally gets his camping stuff situated. You know, <laughs> and it took him <laughs> took him days. <laughs> yeah, I was living vicariously through y'all. Um, yeah, some of those camp spots pictures, I was like, you really are in the mud. I thought it was just a a, a phrase. Yeah, it was until that rainstorm came through, and it scared people away. I'm not gonna lie, like a few people who were in our campsite the people who were supposed to be there for the long haul that mud hit and they were like all right i'm gonna go to a different island oh, <laughs> and i'm out yeah and they're out and then uh you know some of the cali boys show up uh and they just see our spot and they're like shocked they're like i don't know that i don't know if i'm trying to associate myself with that <laughs> i was looking at that like i was getting so much like uh 
like my girlfriend was seeing my stories i was showing her and she was like who are your friend like your friends are just like homeless content (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah that's pretty spot on well i think this is a good time i'm gonna segue into uh name that road oh okay what do we got so i'm gonna describe a road to you this is gonna be tough for me i'm not gonna lie yeah i kind of went a little uh, different with yours okay so uh gonna keep it real vague okay but i feel like you're just gonna fucking guess it so first clue this road is by the water and it's a it's a i don't want to give away too much yet glc it has a view of the water okay from the track has a view of the water from the track you're calling it the track like a racetrack is that what you're calling this right now yeah Mm. I think there's a view of the water. I've never oh, been there. Oh, you've never been there? Okay, wait, wait. This is in the entire world, not with an actual. This is in the entire world. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! A view of the water. Okay, I'm gonna need another hint now. Um, a view of the water. There's a fast grip left towards the bottom. Wow. Or the, at the bottom. This is difficult. You thought I was gonna get this immediately? There is. You want another clue? Yeah. Oh. Um. Deal Creek. Nope. Ah. It, it's not in the U.S. Oh, it's not in the U.S. Okay. Not in the U.S. Not in the U.S. And it's a race course. Okay. I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm thinking Europe. Then doesn't sound like anything in Australia. There is. Um. What looks like maybe sandbags instead of hay bales. Oh, we're talking seaside in the Philippines. Correct. Boom. Yeah, the hay bags. I gave it away. Don't you wish there were still downhill magazines? How about a mag that features photos and stories that are centered on the North Carolina skate community? Well, there is. Obsidian curates the work of some of our community's most active creators, all within a physical medium. Obsidian is ready to ship to your door now. So visit obsidianmag.com to reserve your copy today. It's actually usually plastic bottles in those bags. Um, <laughs> if you go to the Philippines to race, it's one of the best experiences ever. Um, I love the Philippines. Nicest community of people. Awesome hills. Safety. Wildly bad. Which is fine. Just don't go out there and you know go push your limits to the absolute edge. Just go out there and have some fun. And don't hit any of the hay bags. Just don't crash. Hay. It's just plastic bottles in those bags. All right. I got another. This is for the listeners. Um, comment on the instagram reel when i post this interview here's your clue this road tyler hunt is filmed on and he crashes into his own car on oh that's such a good one so uh comment comment on that um if you think you know which one it is um i got a i got a guest question too this would be a good time to kind of segue into awesome from Andy Etch. Here goes. What up, Chase? What up, Dan? Much, uh, much love from Colorado. So, Chase, tell us about the time when we were in the Philippines when we got, like, kidnapped by the fake taxi guy and then just all other Filipino skateboarding shenanigans. And then uh, let's hear, if you could decide what the world tour is, like where all uh, where all would the races take place? Where would the tours be? And what would be like the key races of your ideal world? Damn, great questions. 
I cut him off a little earlier. I think it said world tour. Sorry. Okay. No, no, no. Easy. I didn't listen to this recording back. <laughs> um, okay. So his first question, we got kidnapped in the Philippines. Yeah. What's, what's going on? We fly in. This is our first time in the Philippines. We don't know what's really going on. Uh, Jaime is having a birthday party that night. We fly in. It's like past midnight. It's late. And, uh, we're like, yo, can you pick us up at the airport? And he's like, no, well, everybody at my house is drunk right now because it's my birthday party. You're going to have to find your own way here. He's like, just go get a taxi. So we walk out of the airport. And in the Philippines, people just like bombard you when you walk out. It's kind of like that in the U.S. too. Like, taxi, taxi, taxi. Like, they're trying to get you in their taxi. All right. And like one guy just comes up and like literally grabs our bags out of our hands pretty much. And it's like, come on, taxi. And we're like, word, fuck yeah, taxi, you know, because we needed one. Oh, it's a Philippine like, hospitality. Neither <laughs> Normally we'd be like, that's a bit odd, but like we wanted the taxi. So we went with them and uh, we get into a black Escalade. Um, so also... It's pretty common to not have like a lot of vehicles marked and stuff in other countries, you know. Sometimes you go to South America, you use an Uber. You, there's no Uber stickers and stuff like that, you know. So, uh, you know, it didn't. Again, it, we're like, okay, this is a bit weird, but it's fine. So we jumped in this uh, Escalade, and uh, we're in the back seats, and there's a person in the passenger seat and a person in the driver's seat. And I'm like, before we've even left the parking lot, I'm like, yo, I do not have much Filipino cash. So I'm going to need to uh, pay those. I'm going to need to know how much beforehand. So if like you can map out and give me a rough estimate, yeah, yeah, so I can make sure that I can afford it. And they're like, oh, don't even worry about it. Like, it's you know cheap, cheap, cheap. And I'm like, it's also like the kind of vibe where you like pretending to be a language barrier when really they definitely know you know what's going on, kind of deal. Um, yeah. So uh, they like start driving out, and I'm like, yo, I need to know how much. And they're like, it's cheap, you know, like, uh, and then. As soon as you get out of the airport, you immediately go through like a toll booth to get on the highway. And it's like the kind of highway there's no exits on and stuff. Like, it's like, you know, so like we go through this toll booth and he pays it immediately. Um, and then we're on this fucking highway and then immediately turns back and it's like, yo, this is how much it's going to be. And it is way more money than we can afford. I got, you know, don't even have close to that much. And uh, I'm like, yo, that should not cost that much. And he's like, that's what it is. We can't exit. We're like on this highway thing now. Um, oh no! And we're like, "Fuck, it is not good." Uh, so I uh, I call Jaime and I tell him the situation, what's going on, and uh, he like tries to chew the ass out and stuff. And uh, do they hit an exit on this highway? And we go into this really sketchy neighborhood, and uh, we give this dude all the cash we had, and then he like takes it, hits an exit off the highway. We're pulling back in a pretty sketchy part of town dude with hands the guy in the passenger seat the cast and he just jumps out in this crazy neighborhood and then closes the door and we get back on the highway and uh really weird we do not understand what's happening whoa and then uh finally we, <laughs> we, like we get him talking to jaime on the phone and jaime's like listen get here i'll pay you all the money uh just get them here like right now and we drive into jaime's neighborhood he lives in a really nice neighborhood and they have like guards at the entrance where the gate is with like machine guns you know like fucking real guns holy shit and uh yeah philippines is a wild spot so but that neighborhood's very safe so when we pull into there we're immediately feeling pretty good now like you know we're in this nice neighborhood with like guards and stuff you know when we get in there and uh the guy like asked jaime for all the money because we gave him everything we had and he's like i need the rest of it and jaime just like goes off on him and it's like tells him like go fuck himself like trying to rip off you know uh people visiting and stuff and uh, he gives him like a tiny bit more money, not even close to what he asked for. And we luckily get the hell out of there. But, uh, if we didn't have Jaime to put on the phone, we were going to an ATM because he wasn't letting us out of this escalate until we went to an ATM. Oh yeah. And that's the reason we got out of the ATM trip was because Jaime's like, I have cash, bring them to me and I'll pay you. 
But if we wouldn't have had Jaime on the other end of the phone, we would go into an ATM and get shook down. And that's probably what was happening for sure. Good Lord. Shout out Jaime. Shout out Jaime. He just fucking <laughs> saved you guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it might have sprint brought you to a ATM and then being like, what's up with that skateboard? Em- empty that cash and give me that skateboard. <laughs> yeah. what, what size shoes you go with? Yeah, what size <laughs> shoes? Yeah. Oh, but man. But Philippines is a super safe place. Don't let that scare you away from visiting. Just maybe be smarter than we were and don't go hopping in an unmarked car when they're like pushing you to get into it. You know, hey, official taxis maybe. Sometimes you fuck around and find out. We fucked around and found out. Yeah, it was bad. And then, uh, what about that second part of the question? The Filipino shenanigans of skating. Um, so the way we did Philippines a couple of years when I was there is we would Jaime was lucky and I mean nice enough to let us stay at his like grandparents like uh, place like out on the beach and. Uh, we stayed at this sick-ass house, and we had a sh- couple of shuttle vehicles where we'd go to the racetrack every morning. And to get there, you'd go up and down, like, five or ten h- amazing hills. And you could just jump out and skate them on the way to and from the hills from his house every single day. And, uh, dude, crazy sick hills to be skating. And uh, one night, actually, coming back from, like, the race day or practice day or something, uh Jaime, you know, we're all drinking in, in the back of the van. Like, someone, I'm sure, is sober up there driving. But, you know, we're all in the back drinking and stuff. And uh, we hop out to skate, and Jaime hops out with no shoes to skate this grip run. Um, and it's dark out, and we're skating a grip run with the lights of the van. So everyone's having to stay pretty close together. And hmm. uh, I wonder how this ends up. Yeah, you know, it ends up with him eating mad shit, doing the old sliding on your pucks with toes, except he didn't have shoes on. So then he had, like, dude, gnarly road rash on his feet and toes before like race day of an event you know and when the philippines and also if you get road rash in the philippines it doesn't heal uh, like especially if you're not from there like one it's crazy hot and humid so you are sweating all the time which is not good for healing and then on top of that you're not gonna shower enough in the philippines probably just because like you know, like you're kind of roughing it out there. It's a tiny bit. Like you're at a, lo- you're at a longboard event. You know, not a ton of shower going on. And that with the humidity and then constantly being in the salt water, you know, in the ocean because you swim every day in the Philippines. That road dash will just never close. It stays open for weeks. It's crazy. Andy got a, uh, a road rash situation that, that <laughs> it didn't. It wasn't looking good for a while. Doesn't end there. Yeah, we we flew to South Korea though, from the Philippines. He's got like this road rash that like turned into like some crazy rash and. We're like, the Filipinos leaving, like, yo, dude, that's not good. And, like, we're a step away from going to a hospital. And then we just flew to South Korea. And, like, in one day, totally gone and, like, healed. And it was like, yo. It's, like, probably just a heat rash. Like, left the country. Left left the the country country and then healed. And then healed, dude. So, don't get red rash there. Oh, my gosh. Um, And then, let's see. It's the last part of his question. Yeah, Andy said, uh, what would be the world tour yeah my ideal ideal yeah Yeah, and probably like the best races are big ones um hot take we're taking kozakov off the list it's hot take it can stay on the tour i guess but it's not a world cup we're putting that as a qualifying race because i'm okay with keeping it's a great event super fun not what we i think is what should be done for a world cup race nowadays um so I would obviously put Vulcan on the list because it's amazing. I do think that it's almost a step too far in the direction of being almost too heavy to be our best racing. But I think you need one of those on the tour, you know? Yeah. And then we're going to have racetracks always that are like perfect racetracks, obviously. Um, so I'd put Kazakov for Europe and Kazakov is a qualifier. Vulcan is a cup. And then 
it's hard. There's so many new races coming up in Europe, like TST that we just went to this past year in Europe and Italy was amazing. Um, I personally wasn't that fast on the track, but it was an amazing track that I could see being like a world-class top level event. Um, and then America, I think that we got ripped off by never having Mount Jefferson as a World Cup race. That is, uh, I think, first and foremost, that should be on the list. It should have been, dude. It was going to be 2020. It was, I know. And it's the perfect uh, racetrack. Like, I want to see Khalil pull off a camp shitty race, um, which I believe in him. I don't know if it's going to, I don't know where he's at with that right now, but no, I hope in the future that happens. Um, that would be definitely, like, uh, conducent to the terrain in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. That's more of like an NC style. Yeah, it is. Jefferson's a great racetrack, but it's not like a North any other North Carolina style road. No, it's more like a perfect perfect racetrack kind of vibes like Cosgolf puts off, which is like all about gripping as hard as possible and no like crazy scary or technical moments really. Um, and then, uh, I mean, I hate it, but Mary Hill, I almost feel like it deserves to be on the tour for like a qualifier. I think that the tour needs to be like hits all the different you know like types of skating or types of racing like you need like an all grip you know track like mary hill it's all about like planning out your passes and like yeah. trying to make your passes late on the hill if you're going to work your way from the back or just leading it all from the front if you're a gangster uh and then tracks like vulcan where it's like you sure as fuck don't want to be behind somebody because trying to make a pass on that's going to be insane that one seems like more like you're battling the road yeah more than I mean, I never, I've only seen videos, but I'm like, damn. Yeah. <laughs> and then South America, I personally have not raced in South America a lot, but I, Colombian races, so like, I love Colombia. I think that that'd be like one of the best places to host a race. I went to La Leonora, which isn't a great track. I think they had better tracks, but it was, you know, a super good one. Um, and then I never went to Peru. I hear mixed things from people about the race i hear that it's beautiful no matter what uh, it looks pretty yeah so yeah hard to say the exact word tour argentina was super fun to go race in the track was for at, world roller games for the world roller games dude that track we all going into it everyone is so negative about like oh it's gonna fucking suck you know and like get, show up and then like it was awesome you know it was a really good race check i was i was being a hater just i wasn't there but i was like Looks kind of mellow, but then like was watching the videos and I was like, looks pretty fast, it looks actually. It fast and turns <laughs> up. And also like it was the perfect racetrack where like you get a few hairpins up top that are like, you know, one's like a heavy-ish grip, you know, and then you have one that you like can also grip, but a lot of people were drifting it. And then one you can tuck lean pretty much if you're really fucking good. I never got it. And then uh, you go into that bottom straight and it's just like, you know doesn't really chicane but like it neanders all around and you yeah the camera looks straight up it and you can see the racers coming down it and then you go into the heaviest corner which is the deciding corner for the race because it's right before the finish line and like that just makes for the best spectating oh yeah like those bleachers were filled all the way up with people and when it came down to race day the bleachers it was the coolest thing i've ever seen honestly they were filled with skaters and people who had traveled to come watch and uh it was all sectioned off and like like the Peru team was going wild. They were all screaming for their, you know, racers and stuff. And like, it's really cool to see people actually, like, you know, shouting for their team. You'd have like the USA people screaming for USA people and the Canadians. And like, it was really cool. I really want to, like, I mean, I'm never going to qualify, but I, I just, 
you know, I don't have to have any interest. I just want to go watch. Yeah. No. Like, if you're going to go to a race to watch, the World Royal Games is the move. Like, even Barcelona was not as good of a track, still ended up being way better than we thought. And man, the spectating this like hundreds of people all the way up the entire road. And it makes, when you have that many people at an event watching, the spectators are having a great time because you're just like feeding off each other's energy and stuff. Yeah. And then it makes the racing more intense because you're like, oh, we got a lot of eyes on you. You like really want to do good. It was like, I'm still going back to that moment when uh, I was actually at uh, Madison Crum and Suze's wedding watching the races, the live stream, and we were just going crazy mm-hmm. watching. And I'm like, I wish we had more live streams like that, especially with the road that's set up with the angles, like you're saying. Mm-hmm. Perfect for spectating. So good to watch. Yeah. Like, how did how did World Roller Games go for you? I placed fifth. So, and honestly, like... That's really good. <laughs> yeah. I'm really good at showing up to a hill and knowing how fast I am after a day or two of practice. Like sometimes people like can endlessly progress on a hill and they're like, you know, they can't like tell themselves how good they are. Me, I can pretty much show up to a hill after like a full day of practice, find about as fast as I can personally do it. And then I compare that to the people that I'm taking practice sounds with me. And I mean, I got to tell you, like skating down it, I was like, okay, so I can't beat Dane skated a couple of runs with him i was like i'm just not faster than him in any corner really so like he will beat me um and i was like something crazy could obviously always happen like a fall or anything like yeah, someone yeah, gets yeah. in the way of him and i get an opportunity so like i'm not giving up on winning but like he is faster than me you know definitively and then uh he was the only one who was gapping there i heard nick brahms i c- consistently like i i think i got him on a couple of practice runs where he probably wasn't even fully trying you know but like i knew i could beat nick but i knew that he was still faster than me and then uh so i you know that was a going into racing you're like okay shit i just gotta like i gotta make some moves happen you know there was some moves happening and man there's people (laughs) from south america who you don't know their name if you haven't been to south america a lot of times like personally i haven't harry cork has been done a lot more racing in uh, south america than me so he knows the people who were the heavy hitters down there and to me i'm just like this dude next to me has got a pretty baggy loose suit like he's probably not that fast you know and then like boom he's staunching into the hill and i mean like he's in the way (laughs) (laughs) like uh uh-oh yeah don't know who this guy is but yeah he's fast so yeah it went good i was i was very happy to place fifth i would have loved to make it in finals you know but like honestly i feel like i placed for how good i was on that hill which i'm okay with fifth in the whole world that's that's pretty impressive man i mean you were making moves at the finish line too holy shit yeah my last couple of heats i was have i was going from fourth and like one of them i was having to make a heck of moves and usually i like to race from the front i'm never the guy having to make heavy moves usually i just try to hold down the front and if not i'm trying to get from second to first or something like that but yeah, yeah. that race i was playing from the back uh-huh. there was some dude it was down to the line like that was that was some of the best racing i've ever watched like yeah. So, looking forward to watching the next World Roller Games, yeah, for me, sure. Yeah, me too. If I'm not, I would love to make it on it. But if not, I'm going to be just as happy to watch it, for sure. It'll be sick. Y'all were looking crispy in those Team USA suits, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Yeah, those Team USA suits, they were, uh, I mean, they were pretty badass, you know. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty into it, but, man, it's pretty funny. Like, you know, America's not the sickest country to go, to, <laughs> yeah. to, to go up in, quite frankly. So it felt a little bit ass backwards, you know, walking around in an American flag, you know, yeah. in South America. <laughs> but, you know, it was still dope. 
Yeah, love that. Love that. The were... gloves were a bit much. What was going on with the gloves? They made this like matching gloves with the suit, and I was like, "We've gone too far." Like it was already, you know, on the line. Has this gone too far? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I kind of wanted to go in a little bit with uh, with racing and everything a little bit more. Um, what? I guess you know we're gonna go. No, scratch that. Scratch that. We're going to get off racing for a little bit. Okay. I wanted to go back to open road awareness. Mm-hmm. And like with open roads, you know, you got to deal with cars, dogs, people, you know, shit in the road. There might be a car parked across the road. Mm-hmm. Do you think uh, skating with variables like that, do you think that transitions over to like helping with racing? Yeah, I, I do. I think that when you're skating open roads with like so many things that can happen, I think a lot of racers don't skate those kinds of open roads. Like obviously a lot of racers skate everything, no problem. But a lot of people who race tend to like more like, you know, open, you know, a little more like self-explanatory hills where like the danger is a little bit less and the variable is a little less high. But for free riding, that's obviously like the best thing, you know, when you're free riding, it like adds excitement, you know, and you got a lot going on. Oh yeah. And when those things are happening, like being able to stay calm, like a lot of people, you can skate behind them. And when something happens, you can see their mind, like get flustered, you know, and they're like trying to decide what to do and like end up usually making the wrong decision because they're like, you know, thinking about it too much. And when you do that stuff all the time, you really just get to where you stay super calm like, you'll go through a corner and a bus is in your lane coming up, and, like, you just, like, scoot over a couple of feet, you know? And, like, it doesn't phase you at all, because, like, it was, when you stay calm, you make good decisions. Um, and I think that open road skating gives you the most situations like that. So then when you go race, and there's really a road with no variables on it other than the three other people next to you, you can, like, you almost keep your eye on the variables. So when they do something crazy, like slide a corner that you expected them to grip and stuff, it's, like... You know, you still stay calm about it and make the right decision, hopefully. Beautiful. Yeah, I'm I'm always really impressed with your open road awareness, really keeping it keeping your cool in the face of some pretty serious imminent danger. Um I, one that comes to mind was your uh the linked media video in Colombia. You were talking about the bus. Yeah, yeah, that's a uh, <laughs> that was probably my uh peak i would hope that i go no farther for uh danger um like skating in columbia is wildly dangerous and then there's certain roads that are more dangerous than not and then when you add filming on it obviously you're gonna push yourself and stuff and at that point i was crazy into it like i didn't feel like i was putting myself in insane danger obviously like i was but like had control of the situations usually usually if you watch that run, <laughs> I, I blow two corners massively in that video you know one of those lefts you do a huge toe side into like all the way in the okay no 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 that had a spotter in it did? <laughs> okay, okay yeah so there okay. was multiple okay. in that run there was multiple spotted corners um anything that i blindly slide into the apex was spotted but there's a couple where I go across a couple bridges and like the pavement changes a little crazy and like sometimes there's wet spots and like I just like blatantly fade a little bit into the wrong lane. And those are the ones you have no control over. If you're fading, you can't suddenly be like, oh, I'm going to grip up and stay in my lane, you know? So those I'm not super proud of when I watch that. But uh, it was impressive nonetheless. It was definitely like a display of like open road awareness, variables 
handling it all. Shit, water, dirt, dogs. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, there isn't, I mean, all of them. You had some pretty pretty meaty uh, early grabs mm. in there, too. Yeah. I um, do love a good early grab. What? Your wheels sound like you're on hard wheels, too. Like, or something. In I guess. that video? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I put on, that's on dumpers. So they started out fresh. If you see, like, the first, like, 30 seconds of that run, I'm, like, trying to slide. That's a grippy hill. Uh, Columbia's grippy in general. Like, all the pavement's grippy. I've heard that. I've heard that. Yeah. Um, so that's a grippy one. And I want fresh wheels, and, like, I almost, like, can't even get it sideways until, like, the first major left hairpin. I'm just, like, kind of, like, schlubbing them. And then by the end, they're, like, gone. Oh, so they're just close to the core. Yeah, they're that's probably right. really close like to the core, okay. so that's probably the sound you're hearing. Yeah. I was wondering, because I was like, are those his stain lines? I think they are. I don't even know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, really that also impressive. was a, uh, the conditions were bad that day. We skated that hill days leading up to it. Um, it's one of my favorites in Columbia. Super amazing hill. A Snyder lives at the bottom of that. So if you're wondering how a Snyder gets so good, that's his local hill right there. Oh my gosh. Um, he just hitchhikes and, you know, gets rides up it. He doesn't even like hitchhike. You just grab onto the back of a truck that goes up and just like sketch behind it for like, you know, five miles up a mountain. Uh, and, uh, yeah, man. Sketchy hill. Dude, that... Columbia in general is pretty intense. I, I don't see myself skating as intensely ever again there. I kind of turned 26. <laughs> um, I turned 26. My, you know, brain fully developed a little bit. Got kicked oh, off yeah. that family health insurance. Got Your frontal some, lobe. Got some major injuries. And then I was like, you know what? I'm like uh, assessing danger a tiny bit differently. I watch that run now and I'm like, ooh, I don't know. Questionable decisions. Yeah, I mean, I... Uh... I, I haven't been to Columbia yet. I'm a little. I don't. I don't know if I ever will. I'm scared, dude. So like you can go. I'm not, to, I'm not afraid to say I'm scared to, to skate Columbia. I'm scared to skate Columbia too, <laughs> honestly. Uh, but you can put yourself in safe spots. Like honestly, the highway. You know. Palma, Las Palmas. Yeah, Las Palmas. Yeah. Um, it's probably the safest thing you're gonna skate in Columbia. Um, <laughs> but it. Once you learn how to go with the flow of chaos that is, you know, Columbia, like, uh, you like this flowing with it. Nobody's spooked and doing stupid stuff next to you. And, uh, you know, it's got some nice, like, good good flow to it once you get into it. Just chill 60 mile an hour highway bomb. Dude, it's chill. The people, th- those <laughs> Colombians who skate that who don't know how to slide, a bunch of them. Like, they just, you just got to fucking, you know, like it, it goes uphill at the end of Palmas. Like you ride up a hill. You don't have to shut down to stop on oh, this hill. Oh, that's the best kind of hill. So yeah, it's the best <laughs> kind of hill, dude. And like there's only really one slide corner on it. And if you air brake a bunch or foot brake, you don't need to slide it. So like people who skate Palmas, there's a good bit of people who don't know how to slide. And also when you skate it, you're with inline skaters and you're with, you know, like all kinds of people, skaters who you don't know if they know how to slide or not. Or maybe they're just trying to do a big sand up slide in your face, you know, in a grip corner. So like it's a, it's a little bit hectic when the big packs come out. Dude, those inliners, like I get stuff in my explore feed and it's like, it looks like a thousand inline skaters. And I'm like, that's Palmas. It has to be in Columbia. it's, It's probably Palmas. Like, yeah. So the inline scene is huge though, dude. They like it's bigger than the skate scene for sure. That's that's wild. Not even a question. Yeah, Columbia, that that really looks like the top. I mean, that just looks like some of the hardest roads to skate. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I think Asheville has the you know, probably the best and most hills in a small area. Um, but Columbia has just as many, if not more, and again, in like Medellin is like a very small like 
area of Colombia, and like that's where like those hills all around Colombia, amazing ones. Um, but Medellin has like so many; it's like an Asheville of Colombia. And uh, the only difference is all of them are difficult to skate. Like in Asheville, you have like this the easiest fun hills to skate down with no consequences and stuff. And in Colombia, most of them are intense, you know, because they just like build shit. Like when Pablo puts it the best, he's like, dude. America's so easy to skate. It's like just all point A to point B, self-explanatory. You know exactly what's going to happen. You know, all the corners are like, you know, you already know before you've been first time down the hill, you can imagine the next corner because like they don't just build stuff random as shit. And in Colombia, it's changing pavements and they're putting rivers across it and like super common stuff like that. And it narrows randomly and then widens, you know. So looks, yeah. looks wild, man. Yeah. What is it... Uh, I saw some clips of you in uh, a place I really haven't seen much footage from that I know of. Uh, what's up with Portugal? Okay, Portugal, dude. Underrated as can be. New hotspot. Yeah. I see this one. If you go on your tour now, pff, include Portugal. It's also, people might not be happy about me telling everybody to go to Portugal. Yeah. It's kind of been like one of those like hidden gems. Uh, hey, you know, I've been... T- We've been saying road names in Asheville. So. Oh, no. I blo- <laughs> my, one of my favorite things to do is blow spots. I love, uh, you know, and it's just worth it. You know, it's fine. Um, they're there to be skated. They're there to be skated, and everyone should, while they're in their prime, go get the best stuff they can get. So, you know, don't hold back. Yeah. Uh, Portugal's amazing. The locals are so cool there. And, like, also since a ton of people don't haven't been traveling there in the years past, they're really excited to show you around everything. You go to some places and they're like, oh, I got more visitors coming through. Like, yeah. when you go to Portugal, they're like, okay, we're going to, they're planning out the day the night before because they want to, like, put you, like, give you such a nice day of skating. Whoa. Yeah, really awesome. What's the, what, do they have a crew out there? Is there a Portugal kind of skate? Yeah, there's there's multiple squads. Portugal's kind of divided from the north and the south, um, like different squads, but they all get Portugal's not that big, so like they commonly drive and meet together and skate together. It seems, um, fuck too many to shout out though. Uh, fucking that Porquito, you know, he really helped out a lot with all the filming and stuff. Anything he saw, he helped out with a bunch. Um, and then uh, actually, uh, I don't know if you saw, but Diego. And his squad just went out there. It's not like his squad. Diego and Tease and uh, a bunch of like, and Frenchie went out, went out with them. Uh, There's mostly the Quantum squad with Diego, as I think was okay. what actually was going on there. And uh, yeah, they went to Portugal, dude, skated all the exact same hills, went and filmed like all the same hills. And I was so hyped. I was like, yo, I've never, uh, before we went there, I'd never seen any of those hills. I thought it was North Carolina. You posted like a reel or something. And I was like, what road is this in North Carolina? Uh-huh. Like, no, that's Portugal. Yeah, it's Portugal. It's a lot like North Carolina skating. Um, but yeah, I'm so excited to watch the stuff they filmed. Diego on those hills is going to be awesome. Diego's one of my favorite skaters to watch. Uh, he's uh, he's on the cutting edge. Yeah, for sure. Is. Super dialed. Like we were talking a little bit earlier. Saw he's doing wind tunnel testing. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, Diego, in my eyes, is the best racer right now, without a doubt. And I think that he's very close to being on his way to be the best there's ever been. Um, it's hard. He's still like, still like fresh into like f- forward tour racing and all reality. Like right now, obviously, he's dominant. Like you know, you can just tell by his podiums that he's yeah. like dominating. Um, but I think you need just a little bit more time to really see how somebody compares with like history. You know, but yeah. I think that Diego could be the best who's ever been, passing K. Rhymes and anybody else in the past. Uh, he's certainly uh, 
I mean, he's like acing. He's an athlete, dude. He takes it very, very seriously. He tries very hard, and he doesn't like ruin his fun either, which is what I really like about Diego. Diego is always having a good time, and like you know, sometimes might see him a little bit like thinking about stuff because he's like trying hard, but like always smiling, always having a good time. I like Diego a lot. Yeah, shout out Diego. Yeah, shout out Diego. Keep it up, dude. Mm-hmm. Um, another another thing I wanted to bring up. Uh, what's up with the cowbells on the gloves, man? So where'd that come from? <laughs> that came from the top of jib. Um, they put them on. They leave them in, at the top of jib. Well, they used to. I don't know if they're still doing this. Um, cyclists did, and they leave them up there for you to put them on your bike to make it safer. Oh, okay. Um, so we just were taking them and putting them on our gloves. Flin- so this Flinchy, is from cycling. This is from cycling. Um, and Frenchy w- was the first person I ever saw rocking one. Um, I don't know if he's the you know OG of the uh, the cowbell on the glove, but it was the first person I saw doing it. And then when I was out in Cali, I put one on. And uh, fuck, I had that thing for so many months on my gloves. It was awesome, and it's it's nice. Sometimes it really does like help a lot. Uh, it's be- like a nice, friendly little jingle too. It is. And <laughs> one day I uh, do mine from doing heel sides. I'd put my hand down, and the bell would like smack the ground, and I like it was almost coiling my bell because it was like wearing through it. And then eventually the little dangly thing fell out of it, and that was that was the end of the bell for me. Oh man! But that was a good time, good era, the bell era. Oh yeah, I. Little things like that to be safer mm-hmm. really go a long way. They do. Honestly, that might be, um, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's an important thing, being as safe as you can. I got another hot take I wanted to bring up with you while we're on the topic of okay. safety. Okay. What do you, how, what's your stance on spotting corners? Oh, I have a spicy take on spotting corners. Um, I think that about 60% of the time somebody spots the corner for you, you are putting yourself in more danger than if you were to not have a spotter in that corner. Dude, I'm I'm with you. Just over half of the time, I think. It's, I think a, it, it's a false sense of safety. And like, there's like so many reasons why it doesn't work. Like, sometimes somebody will spot corners for you. So a lot of times you go out filming. And whenever you go out filming, one person gets a fall run, everybody else skates down first and they spot as many corners as possible. Mm-hmm. Just to make the filming a little bit safer and you can send it a little bit harder. Yep. And I'll sometimes, someone else will film before me. They'll spot a corner for me. I film a run. It was all badass. I go down. It's my turn to spot now. I go to the corner and I'm like, you cannot spot this corner with one person. It's not possible. The apex is too drawn out. You can't yeah. see enough straight away after the corner. So if it was coming up, even if you like, it'd be good to bad so quick that you get hit. Um, yeah. How are you supposed to be making eye contact while exactly (laughs) yeah spotting i know and then there's so many different ways of like i like the uh in australia so like me i like movement if i if i'm having a corner spotted if i do want it spotted i prefer like a big waving arm because like it's yeah i like to know i don't want to know like if it's bad i want to know if it's good yeah yeah yeah. big waving arm is what i like and then if it's bad it's an x and i just honestly see the lack of movement and i don't blow it you know um in Australia, they do two arms up. Sorry, they do two arms up like this, and that's good. Um, and okay. Then, and then they kind of just like go a little bit wild whenever there's a car. Like they like do X's or like shut down or whatever. But like it's it's calmness for them. So they like throw both arms up, and that's how you know that it's good. I don't love that, but it works fine. It works. Yeah. Yeah, I like hearing all the kind of different things. I'm I'm a fan of the arm wave too. Mm-hmm. And another thing, it's like if someone has like a red shirt or something, like to wave. Yeah, that's a great idea, 100%. I mean, that's good. But don't spot corners for your friends. If you go down to that corner and 
you, you know, let's say you planned it out. I'm going to go down and spot this corner for you. And you get there and now you're realizing that it's not spotable, you know, and your friend's about to come down the hill and you're like, you're like, fuck, I can't really spot this, but like, I don't want to ruin his film run. He's only going to get one. Yeah. Don't tell your friend it's good. Yeah, I don't. Either do nothing if it's a smart person or more likely give him a fucking X and just let him know that you can't because they might take you doing nothing as it's good. So I'd probably just give him a fucking X and then, you know, they're going to blow that one, you know, not going to get to blow the corner and they'll probably be a little bit bummed about it. But like overall pretty worth it. You know, you can film it again and put two spotters in it. Yeah. Or just stay in your lane. Always a good option. Talkies are huge too. Like walkie talkies, are another hot take on walkie talkies they you know they they can fuck up not only can they fuck up it's again the people i like is as little human error as you can get into a situation is the safest and walkie talkies is adding a lot of room for human error it is it's the safest way to do it if everyone is on top of the game and you're skating with like you know I've gone and skated with Diego Squad. Diego Squad has like this old guy. I forget his name. Wish I knew his name. Feels a little disrespectful calling him the old guy. But he's in the squad. He's like almost like the coach, dude. He like drives him around. Doesn't speak much English. Uh, drives him around uh, in like in a sick ass car, you know, and shuttles them. And like he does the walkie talkie for them. And like crazy responsible dude. I would trust him 100%. But usually you got your skater who's had a few beers, he's smoked a couple of joints in the day, and now he's going to go down in front of you with a car and be saying, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. And then he's going to say, we got a car. And you're supposed to, when you use walkie-talkies, say the make and model and color of a car. You got one silver SUV coming up. Yeah. That is how you're supposed to do it. Mm-hmm. And that's so whenever two cars come up, you know, okay, there's a silver SUV, and now I got one red Miata coming up. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it's back to being all good, all good, all good really commonly i've seen it happen heck of times when i'm skating when someone is doing it for me they call out one car and two come up yeah and you're like whoa i didn't know about the miata yeah and if they stay close together not a big deal but if they gap out because the first one's going fast the second one's going slow then they're far enough apart that you back to smashing lines in the other lane and it gets spicy um also walkie talkies cut out walkie talkies die that's why you're supposed to constantly keep communication on it you should never go down down and shut down a road and not be talking you you know and you should never be Correct. in a lead car and not constantly communicating um because yeah I've, i mean i've gone through waves of using talkies like years ago and then we just kind of stopped using them because they're like something weird happens and you're like that talkie didn't yeah save that situation and yeah i don't know some people really europe is the most ahead of the game with walkie talkies europeans use walkie talkies to skate religiously like not all of them obviously but like the most of them we Here's a pretty, you'll love this one. We uh, went Loser Mountain skating at Open Road. Went uh, to where? Loser Mountain. This is a loser. <laughs> yeah, it's called Loser Mountain. They had an event called Loser Mountain Freeride. Um, and uh, it's an awesome hill in Austria. And we go to skate at Open. And we just go show up to it. And we'll shuttle on it. It's me, Owen, Scotty, Spud. Um, I believe it was our squad at this point. And. Uh, we're skating at open road and we all have headphones in because we don't listen to music while we skate. <laughs> and uh, so we're skating with headphones in. And all of a sudden, this squad of kids pulls up and it's like three dudes, um, aw- you know, awesome fucking dudes. But they get out there with like OG drop through, drop deck boards, ABIC 11 wheels, Randall truck shit, like some crazy setups. Whoa. And we're like in like, you know, dirt bike helmet kind of vibe, you know. And we're like, yo, what's going on? Like we want to skate with them. So we go say what's up to them. And, uh, really nice dudes dude they didn't they're like 
what are you guys doing here? Like, how do you know about this hill? And like, we heard about it from the event and we're on Euro tour. And they're like, what's Euro tour? And we're like, we go to a bunch of competitions around the world. I mean, around uh, Europe and uh, like, we just came from K and K and they're like, what's K and K? And I'm like, oh my God, these kids are completely detached from the scene. Whoa. Um, awesome. So fucking cool. They're just doing it. Just doing it by themselves. Literally completely out. Um, they knew about Luzon Mountain, the event. That's how they knew about that hill, but they don't really know about much of the community. And, uh, they were like, oh, we see you guys have walkies in. So you want to send your lead car down first? And like, we get sick of the whole, like, oh, we don't use. So we're just like, yeah, we'll send our lead car down first. And we send them down with them thinking that our, and then we skate down and then they send their lead car down. And they're thinking we used walkies, but we just listen to music. Just listen to music. <laughs> Good Lord. Uh, but then they invite us over to their house, man. They cook us dinner. They let us stay at their place. These are some random things. Yeah, dude, cook us up a wild dinner. Shout out to them. I'm so bad with names. I am so sorry for forgetting your boys' names. Uh, but they're the homies. I'm trying to go out this winter and uh, snowboard with them. They're, oh, they're like yeah. big time snowboarders. Like they have a train park at their backyard with a winch. Ooh. So they can just lift their park and then go to the mountains. They're about it. Yeah, they're about it. So they're like, oh, you got to come in the wintertime and see how good we are at snowboarding. Like skating, we're just getting into the ship. But snowboarding, like, we'll show you how it's done. And I was like, oh, oh I'd love God. that. You said Austria? That's in Austria. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's where we got the, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're boarding. All right. Yeah, they're boarding. But that was a pretty funny experience with the... Normally, we show up and like everyone's using walkies and we're like we'll try you know this is never enough and shit so like we're like ah we're kind of good and sometimes people take that they're like not offended but not stoked that you don't want to you're not going to use walkies so if people want me to use a walkie-talkie i will happily use it oh yeah you know i typically prefer to not um i I was going to make one more point and then we can get off the the hot take of spotting corners but another thing i've experienced with spotting corners in north carolina is like you park a car and oh. one of those corners and now you have another obstacle that if things go wrong you can hit talking about taru hunt right now oh um, yeah we'll go right back to, back that. to the question <laughs> perfect yeah. example we got that number two cars coming up half the time they're gonna stop in the apex and be like are you all right anything wrong and you're like dude there's skaters cut like you're just kind of inviting more obstacles into the exact spot. That's exactly right. The the Reynolds run that I told you that I fell and hurt my knee on, um, I sent Marcella to that intersection corner to spot it. Mm-hmm. And the, they hate us there enough that... I don't go there so anymore. She, so she's down yeah, she, so she's down there with the, her skateboard with her. She skates to the corner, obviously. So she's in the corner with her skateboard at a four-way intersection. And a car stops in every in part of the intersection because they're all <laughs> asking her like one's asking her are you okay the other one's like you gotta get the fuck out of here and she's like just one second i'm just trying to spot this corner as it's like bad with tons of cars and that's right when i come flying into it you know and i was like wow i should have not had you spot that big mistake yeah it's that's that just happens yeah. but we can we can get off that that yeah. hot take topic but i'm, I'm glad we co- i'm glad we covered it absolutely I agree. um it's not obviously that is not a concrete opinion. It is no. just an opinion. Just an opinion. Yeah. It's it's good to be as safe as we can on open roads, but sometimes I think there's some things that maybe yeah. sometimes helping's hurting. Yeah. Find out how to skate in your lane a little bit better. It's good for you. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. We're going to take a quick moment to talk about stunt beer. Life's too short to simply sip a beer when you could be stunting it. From beer cocky to mukbangs to stunt staffs. There's no limit to what you can do. We're all put on this planet to send it and nurture it. So get litigated. Even get creative. 
there could be big prizes coming your way. Send in your stunts to at StuntBeer on Instagram to get featured today. All right, Chase, it's time for a new segment. This is, uh, this wheel came from, uh, Jack Trainer, Dumpster Jack's sound experience, too. Hit him up for all your karaoke needs or, um, you know, any kind of party stuff. He's, uh, available for booking. So, uh, why don't you give this wheel a spin there, Chase? Okay. Let's see what we got. I can't see it, so you're going to have to let me know. Oh, 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 okay, you got lucky. Best event. Best event. Okay, okay. 10-4, good buddy. I never went to uh, summer camp as a kid. I'm going as an adult, K&K, every year. It's a week-long summer camp. It's amazing. Hell yeah. Spin that wheel again. Here we go. I'm spinning this way now. Swap up. <laughs> what do we got? Best road. Best road. Oh, I actually already said it. Why poly road? Polies. Why polies? It's the best. It does everything. It's, it's the best. Not even a question. The experience that comes with it. Amazing. Hell yeah. It. Thank you for playing. Hell yeah. I got away pretty safe, it seems like. Yeah, you did. Um, I'm going to move this out of the way, guys, for the listeners. Give me a sec. I kind of like it. <laughs> you got lucky. Gives me something to hide behind. As you can see, we had the egg and the beer ready for the uh, egg time baby or potential stunt beer. Egg and egg time baby and stunt beer around <laughs> there. So, um, Let's yeah, that egg got lucky. All right. So another point I wanted to bring up: uh, your name is Chase Hiller. Yes, it is. Your name is a uh, self-fulfilling prophecy. I've been told before. It, yeah. it backwards is Hill Chaser. <laughs> I just you're aware of that, right? Yes, yeah, I am aware. Yep. I, uh, you know, when I travel, people actually do not believe me that it is my real name. Like particularly in like South America and in the Philippines, I remember. I mean, like they wouldn't believe it at all. They're like, yeah, like what's your real name though? I'm like, it's fucking Chase Erica. I promise. And they're like, no way. Oh you were lying gosh. to us. Yeah. yeah, I mean... But yeah, you know, it worked out pretty good. The parents knew what they were doing, obviously. Yeah, yeah, it really did. Um, probably one of the coolest names in Downhill, too. It's just... Dude, it's literally Hill Chaser backwards. So you've really uh, you've really embodied that, too, I feel like. so. Hazo Cinco embodied it as well. <laughs> <laughs> shout out Cinco. Yeah, shout out Cinco. He's in the local Asheville group chat, believe it or not. Yeah, he is. We just like to keep him in touch, you know. Yeah, like to see what, see what's going on <laughs> in his neck of the woods there. Um, wanted to get into. I got a few other just questions in my notebook. Wanted to ask you when you go out doing your world tour, free riding all year. How many sets of wheels do you estimate you're going through in a full year? That is a tough tough to place that um i want to say racing alone in 2019 i don't think i got to 100 sets 
but but I was somewhat I was pretty close to 100 sets by the end of my uh, square lips? of alpha square lips in 2019 race wheels, uh, which they were a little cheaper back then. And that's um, not counting. What about that's not wheels? counting free ride wheels. Um, so free uh, ride wheels. I uh, you know it depends where I'm at. If I'm in NC, I can remember times where Seismic has sent me 15 sets of wheels, like when Scotty was in town um, in NC. I like showed up with wheels, killed them all in the first little bit of time skating with them there, and then I had them send me like 15 sets of like dumpers, pretty much like not much. That, like some of them were like long, longer lasting wheels, but we just skated literally all day, every single day for like a few weeks in Asheville, and I mean, it, it took me less than two weeks to kill 15 sets for sure. Oh it, I was killing over a set a day every day, sometimes two sets a day. That's wild. So what does that add up to in a year? Financial wise. I mean, I mean, just like oh, numbers-wise. Okay. Um, well, if I'm doing a full race season combined so, with free riding, um, that's going to be like, uh, you know, at least 150 sets of wheels, probably. <laughs> probably kill 50 sets of free ride wheels in a year. So you're per- you're going through, if you average it, out, average it out, you're pretty much just going through a set of wheels every two and a half, three days. Yeah, averaged yeah yeah if that's with the racing yeah and the racing wheels i'm not killing every set of those obviously i'm racing on them past the skin and i usually bevel them and like i sell wheels when i'm in europe and stuff because you can't afford to fly back but like when i'm in the states i don't sell scrubbed wheels really i just like i skate enough that like i kind of need all my wheels even like the race scrubs love it yeah you uh you certainly had a, uh i don't know if you're really doing it too much now but bevel boys was uh Beffa Boys was a hell of a time, dude. Yeah, were, still doing it, but not on the level that I was at one point. You were beveling. No, we were beveling so much. I mean, goddamn, the damage that I've done to my body. Uh, inhaling? By inhaling. <laughs> and by inhaling your lithane dust. Um, and everyone... I wear a mask when I do it nowadays, and I have for the past a little bit. But every once in a while, you catch yourself on the side of the hill needing to bevel up some wheels. And uh, all you have to do is jack up a car or a motorcycle and... Uh, you didn't bring a mask with you to that session. So oh, no, you're just going to no. put your t-shirt over your mouth, you know, and call it good enough. Uh, which I'm from the construction field, so we do the old, you know, quite a bit, you know, and doing some drywall dust, you know, and just pull, pull your shirt up a little bit. It's effective. Somewhat. Definitely have done some damage. Also, super not proud. I definitely carbon fibered. Hey, I'm calling you out, Boone and Andy. Me, Boone and Andy. First, like, carbon fiber boards we had, we wrapped them ourselves out in Colorado. We didn't wrap them. We did a top and bottom ply. Um, and we definitely didn't wear masks for that. Not great. Um, definitely was blowing some carbon fiber boogers out the next day. Uh, wear a mask, kids. Safety gear? Dope. I'm talking, like, safety glasses, you know, masks, any of that shit. <laughs> Use it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you've... Uh, you. I've certainly made rain wheels from like a car that you were using i don't know whose car it was but i'm like well let me get in on that let me get in on that one like i've never seen anyone jack up a car and put it in drive (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah dude it works great i remember the first few times we did it people were so shook and now you see people doing it all the time, 100%. And by no means did me or my friends invent it but i'm not gonna lie the first time i saw it done uh I had never like seen it before. I saw it in person before I ever saw it, you know, online. And I was like, whoa, this is genius. And then whenever we started, I went to Columbia for the first time. 
and my whole adult life i've always been like you can't own a motorcycle it's too dangerous it's not worth it yeah. um, and then i went to columbia and i was like it makes no sense that americans do not drive motorcycles full-time there's too many cars on the road there's not enough parking spots you're spending so much more money on gas and you never need all that space um so i came back and called me i was like i'm getting a bike asap and i bought a motorcycle and since then i've been like motorcycles are usually my daily drivers except for my lifts right now obviously i can't ride yeah but probably not ideal when you bev on wheels of the motorcycle that's like a two second process you don't even have like if your bike doesn't have a middle stand to actually get the wheel all the way lifted up you just have one person lift the wheel up by hand <laughs> no problem make bevels in one second incredible hmm. yeah i just wanted to to touch on that another thing i wanted to touch on uh gimbal the gimbal boys. You you were going pretty hard with the gimbal. You still got that thing around, or? Um. So we actually went past the gimbal, um, because the gimbal wouldn't work with the newest GoPros that were coming out, and I'd have to buy a whole new gimbal, and I'm you know broke, so I didn't want to invest in a new GoPro and a new gimbal. But luckily, I filmed this, you know. Asheville documentary with Kayvon. Um, shout out Kayvon for doing that. That was shout out an insane investment of his time and money. He came out to NC two or three times, stayed for like over a month one of the times, and spent thousands of his own dollars on this camera gear. And he paid for the rights to all the music for the video. Like he went all the way out on this thing. I actually just previewed it the other day because it's about done. He's going to get into some film festivals soon. And wow, it was amazing. I've never seen anything like it. I've I've heard such good things of people, that, few people that have watched it, and I'm I'm really excited to to see what that comes about because that's that's the kind of project that's gonna put downhill, do more for downhill than a lot of things. I think. Yeah, and like I think that as a skater, everyone will love it, but I think that the public is going to like it even more than skaters do. Like, do you know how when something comes out? about skating where they're like trying to talk about the culture or stuff like that whenever you're a part of the culture that they're talking about like when you see it professional rock climbers do not like rock climbing documentaries i promise you they're making it seem more intense and cheesy in areas and you're like dude yeah. i do this every day it's not fucking that insane but they got to make it a documentary and get everybody all hyped up to yeah viewers. you know and sensational. yeah Kayvon's movie does not do that at all it doesn't false advertise anything but still being a member of the community, watching a documentary about the community, you know, you're like, you're not the intended audience in, in all honesty. So it's really cool and I love it. But I think the general public is going to be like, holy shit, look at these goons. Like it, it really, <laughs> dude, it really shows what we're like. It's insane. And you don't realize how goony we are until you see a video of it. We're just smashed in the skatehouse couches, living together, break B&Es every other day, dude, getting chased out of places. And I mean living on the shittiest food spending all your money you know and running it till the end like uh yeah good. no that's that's the kind of light that longboarding needs to be in yeah. it's uh what comes to mind i mean i i haven't seen it but like those kind of things was going to bring the general population interest into what we're doing like i watched a I watched a documentary on dudes that like race shopping carts have you seen that Carts of Darkness? I haven't seen it, but I know about it. Yeah, and I'm like, I know so much about this super tiny culture, and mm -hmm. like, if downhill that, could capture, that. yeah, downhill I'm, can capture something like that. It'll be 
Yeah, and it's way more of a sport. Like, way, way more. <laughs> yeah, not just like some yeah, homeless dudes. Like, Kayvon's actually initial plan for this documentary um, was to go do a whole world tour. I don't know if he... I'm sure he doesn't care that I'm telling this. But his plan was to go do a full world tour with me and Andy um, and film an entire world tour. Go into all the events, show what, like, the, you know, behind the scenes of racing is really like. The racers, like, before and after the days of the events and stuff and add it. And, yeah. uh that was going to be awesome, but then the IDF disbanded, and then the WDSC came in like halfway last year and didn't do a real world tour. And then this year, he was talking about it leading up to it. He was like, "Yo, like, is a world tour possibly going to happen? Who's going on it?" And I was like, "I don't think it's the year to do it," you know. And he made that decision more on himself, but like, it's still like it's not a full year, like yeah. The W. That's what happens when you disband an organization. Even though I love the WDSC, like I think they're putting taking us in the right direction, one hundred percent. A non-profit organization is not the way to do it. Like a lot of other sports have tried that direction, and it always fails. And like the people running this need to make money. So them, and I like the way they're doing it too. They're making money not by like making money off of the events, off of you as skaters. They're putting crazy cheap entry fees. Their goal is once you qualify to the professional bracket who they do the tour for, there's no entry fees at all. Um, and they sell the media that they capture from the events to news channels and stuff like that. So you as a skater aren't going to pay anything anymore. Like, it's gonna they're going to start making money off the sport, which is, I totally support. I Yeah, I think that's, that's the move. Because, mm. like, we were just talking about that, all that live coverage, that shit. You have so much usable media. Oh, my God. Like, Could you, you have captured every single crash of every single race and have... Argentina alone, that footage... It also like it could have been higher quality. Um, Argentina one, like just like the the like it's not in like 4K. You yeah. know, like if you're gonna sell that to somebody, you know, who is gonna pay tons of money for it, they want 4K. Yeah, um, probably make it 4K. You probably make that thing 4K. And uh, but if it did, oh my god, the amount of com- you could just sell it to commercials, like mm-hmm. people who want to use that footage for something that's nothing to do with skating, they will buy that race footage. Like they love that stuff. They'll, Filming uh, with skaters on Deal Creek and stuff, car commercial companies and stuff. And watch commercials. Watch commercials, <laughs> you know. Uh, like it's. That it, race footage is worth so much, and they know that, so that's why they're coming about it from that angle. But it will take a dude, couple years to get together. Yeah, it will. It will. That's another thing, too. Like we're talking, we we're talking about Kayvon's uh, doc appealing to just general audience. There's a lot of. These races, I think, like we need fans. Mm-hmm. We need more longboard fans. Like, not this isn't something that everyone's gonna do. You look at, like, I want, people- no, yeah, I want to not tons of people getting into it. Actually, tons of people watch it. Yeah, you watch it and you're like, we these people fans. are crazy as fuck, dude. Like, I don't want to get into that myself, but I want to watch it a lot. And then the people who feel driven to get into downhill, mm-hmm. they are always gonna go do it if they see it Absolutely. and feel the need, they'll go do it. I'm I'm on that too. I'm like, man. To get into this, it's a lot of just you really want to do. Like yeah. you probably saw it and you're like, hell yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, f- I feel like we could have so many cool fans. Like you could be selling T-shirts like, yo, I got a Chase Hiller. Like <laughs> just like a, you know, like all the NASCAR. Yeah. Like we could be doing like NASCAR shit for, for downhill. Yeah, yeah, I'd rock a Diego shirt, dude. That'd like, be dope, right? Yeah. Like we need some numbers too. It's like, dude, you watch. I don't know hockey or like football and like what percentage of the fans ever played either of those sports like ever i mean 
you don't have to necessarily be like into it for something you like to do to be a fan Mm -hmm. like nascar is sick i'm never gonna drive a nascar no around a track yep so yeah whatever we can do to get more fans i feel like the wdsc is going in the right direction though Mm -hmm. turkey was the uh turkey was the first event the wdsc has hosted they piggybacked off of kozakov and tst those were hosted by independent people and then wdsc came in and like not sanctioned, but like put their organization around these events. Um, but in Turkey, they did it totally by themselves. I mean, down to the hay on the roads, they were responsible for everything. The broadcasting, all of it, one person. And that's the way it should be. When you start mixing stuff, when, as soon as someone can push the blame to someone else, nothing is ever going to get done. Like the IDF board, reason such a shit show, it's all members of the IDF board telling them, saying that these other members are the problem. The only reason I can't get anything done is because of them. They just back and forth and nothing ever gets done. Someone needs to be in charge and they need to be like credible for any mistakes that happen. And yeah. whenever it happens, they need to aim up to it, you know? And the WDSC does a good job at that. They like, there is someone in charge and like in Turkey, there was not enough protection um, after the first like practice day. I don't know if it was one or two practice days, but was not enough protection. We had a riders meeting where, uh, they're not even riders meetings at their events now. What they're doing, it's it's like called like a like a press conference almost, where they go up. They have the fancy desk set up up there. All the people who are running the organization sit there. They ask questions. You ask them questions, and you go over the whole thing just like professional racing does. Like like any other sport. Like any other sport, and yeah. it's actually the way they're doing it is if you do not show up to this, you find like two hundred dollars if you miss the morning meeting. No shit. And uh, Diego missed it. Days at Turkey. Did he get fined? No, he didn't. But it, that was pretty early on. They hadn't like a set up the rules yet. But you know, it was pretty <laughs> funny. You know, the golden boy of uh, racing right now, not <laughs> at the not, fuck, not at the meeting, and we show up to the start line after it, and we're like, he's like, you know, stretching. He's all like, you know, suited up and stuff already. And we're like, where the hell were you, Diego? And he's like, oh, I didn't know about it. And I'm like, come on, that you didn't know about it? Like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh dear. No, that's I like that. Yeah, they're doing a great job. And because of that, we told them there's not enough safety on this hill and we're not going to qualify until it is safer. And that night, they went and got tons more hay bales and worked all night long and got it all set up. And they listened to us and did what we said. And it was super nice. That's awesome. They did that, especially for a first year event that is on that level. Yeah. And like Like the track was obviously horrible pavement. But aside from that, the organization at this event was amazing. Like they killed it. We all stayed in hotels that they paid for. They picked us up in shuttles from all these different hotels to take us to track in the day. It looked baller. Dude, we were swagging out out there. Like it was pretty dope. That felt like the next step for the sport. I was like, okay, this is it. We're doing it. That's cool. Like just watching, I was like, that looks like they're being treated like athletes. Yeah, it definitely was. It was one of my worst races I've done in a while, which was a bummer, but the experience overall, amazing. Dude, they showed us around Turkey. Like, we got to go see underground cities and stuff. Like, full underground cities, giant ones, just miles and miles of tunnels underground. And, like, they gave, us a, they gave us a tour guide. Who A tour guide took us on all of this stuff and showed us everything. And it was so much fun, dude. Where are you ever going to get that at another race? I know, like, right? Like, not, uh, I love the WDSC. Imagine if they had, like, a tour guide at, like soldiers or something we're gonna show you bainbridge ohio (laughs) another cornfield to the left yeah (laughs) yeah we're like we already know we know this place we know this place yeah amazing um let's see 
Where should we go next here? Um, I wanted to talk about kind of current era chase and what's been going on. We talked earlier. Yeah, we has got surgery. Yep. Um, kind of, kind of down bad right now. I'm kind of down as, a little as, bit bad as right far now. as uh, longboarding, but you know there is a silver lining to it. Uh, you live here now. You live in Asheville. I moved to Asheville. This was a long time goal of mine. Um, I've been saying it for like five years now, six years that I was going to move here. And uh, glad to have you here, though. Yeah, I'm very happy to be here. It was the right decision. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. Current era right now. I'm pretty broke off right now. Um, I'm definitely going to heal back up all fine. But it's hard to say, you know, like I'm going to constantly, I'm going to skate every single day or not every day, but I'm skating multiple times a week, probably for many, many years. Uh, but hard to justify going as deep financially as I've gone the past few years, 24 seven on it. It, uh, definitely takes a toll. Like you're just busting your ass to go out and spend it all, which is like enjoyable. I love like working for something that I know the money's going towards that I enjoy. Like it makes me happy at work because I know what I'm at work for. Um, but then, you know, you catch yourself just so down bad. Sometimes like I came back from Hawaii I had no money. I left Hawaii, by the way. I left the mud because I got so deathly ill. I had, <laughs> I had, I'm not you ready for this. Okay, so I get sick as fuck in Hawaii and we're living in the woods in the mud. And like, you can't even like, it's like a 20 minute skate to get to town. And like, I bought a motorcycle out there and some boys bought scooters um, and it was super dope. Also, by the way, I got a motorcycle on Maui. Anybody wants to go ride it. It's still there. Anyone can use it. Hit me up. I'll tell you, you know, all about it. It's, it's ready. on Turo. It's ready to go. Um, it's <laughs> badass. Um, but it, uh, it's free. Um, but what happened was, you know, got sick. Literally, took, like, I couldn't, like, walk and stand. I was, like, had, like, gnarly fever. Like, was fucked up for heck of days. And eventually, I'm like, yo, I got to go to the hospital. So, like, I go to a hospital, like, a you know uh not like the er but like the clinic or whatever the hell at the hospital yeah 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 and i'm like yo so i need a doctor to see me tell me what i have probably give me some antibiotics or something and i'm like i would like to know how much that costs and they're like do you have insurance and i'm like no i just turned 26 a few months ago got kicked off that family insurance i don't have any and they're like well it's gonna be like eight grand for you to get antibiotics see a doctor and uh that kind of stuff and i was like that's, I ate sick I'm out I was like I ate sick I'm out um, so then I was like okay I'm gonna get a hotel for a couple of days because that'll help me up I'll stay in a bed I'll like take showers and like be clean that'll that'll help me heal uh, cheapest hotel I could find was 600 a night um, including like Airbnbs and everything could not find anything for less than 500 and I was broke as shit at the time so I was like I'm just gonna ride this out in the woods you know and dude just kept not getting better so I literally I like bought a flight I mean I didn't buy a flight I changed my flight for like super cheap the night one night to fly out the next day I was like I'm out and I left Hawaii like that had had to dip out had to dip out you had the the sickness had the sickness (laughs) dude so when I came back I came back pretty still sick like I was already like over the hump of how bad it was but came back sick with no money in my bank account, no job. I was in Missouri, and I was like, dude, this is horrible. You're starting from square one. I was one. like, I'm starting from square one again, and I don't even want to be where I'm at. So, like, at that point, that's when I was like, fuck it. I'm moving to Asheville. I moved, drove out here with pretty much everything I owned in my van, and I did Uber Eats on my motorcycle 
in 30 degree weather for like a month over a month i like i was like i'd be doing uber eats and like it'd get dark while i'm out there doing uber eats runs still on my motorcycle and then it'd start shitting rain and i would have already picked up food from a restaurant so you can't <laughs> just say fuck it you have to deliver that food now and dude it'd be pouring rain i'd be going 20 minutes outside of town to drop off someone's fucking food in the shitting rain on my Please motorcycle tip me. yeah oh my god dude and that was the one benefit I was getting some good tips because people. I'd pull up at 9 p.m. on a bike in the dark in the rain, and people were like, "Yo, this kid's down bad." Pulls up on the KLR. What? Who the hell is in our yard with the motors? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I got your pizza. <laughs> That's yeah. No, it's a great move. You you came here. I kind of wanted to get into. You know, we were kind of already talking about it. The, the highs and lows of going on a world tour and then you know, coming back to reality. Yeah, so I call it post-skate trip depression. Um, this is a real thing, um, you know, and I didn't experience this for years. I went on lots of skate trips, traveled a lot, and it wasn't until I was like, this is all I do with my life. Where like, all I work for is to go back on tour, and I stay on tour as long as I can. Like, I max out my visa in Europe till they were like, you got to get out of here, you know, uh, to the last day and uh, the last dollar or two. And when you're on a tour like that, um, man, it is, like, surreal how, like, amazing life is. Like, you're living with just what you need, you know. You're cooking food every night at a campsite. You're skating the best sleds in the world. And you're spending time around, like, such good people. Because, like, especially on Eurotour, man. Like, Eurotour is probably, like, what I'd say is, like, the most important thing for any skater to go do in their life. Like, it really changed me after the first time I did it. And, like, it made me, like, I'll go back to Europe every single year, even if I'm not full-time racing and stuff i'll go to europe to go skate and see everybody because it's just like so worth it like realigns your priorities really well because but when you do it full-time you're hitting such high dopamine levels even if like like i said even if you're not on drugs and you're just out there being sober boy like life is too good so when you come back to reality like normal life is already not as good but if you come back broke you have to come back and like grind super hard where you have no life you're just trying to make money back enough to like eat food and shit yeah you're just trying to get back to where you were and man it knocks you down emotionally so like after a few of those you're like fuck dude like i am torching the chemicals in my brain you know and then you know i like to experiment with some uh some substances sometimes which uh yeah who doesn't lets you hit even higher highs sometimes which means on the way back you're gonna hit even lower lows <laughs> <laughs> which that's fine but you know sometimes it becomes a bit much so Lately, I've came to the conclusion. Also, I like pushing myself a lot, but com competition is like stressful, and it, like you find yourself caring more about doing good than like you're not gonna win money. It's not your career. Like you're only there for fun. So as soon as you're like stressed out to where like all I want to do is like do as good as my expectations are, you're like, how much fun am I having right now? Like I'm really just fucking stressed out all the time until this race is over and then when the race ends fuck i'm so happy i don't even care if i won i just am ready for this shit to be over and i found myself in that point multiple times at races and now i'm just like i'm gonna race when it's fun but i don't see myself doing a forward tour for quite a while uh just out of the like i don't know it just becomes a little too much there's something they said like it's not making it a job because you're not making money but you're <laughs> you're putting the attention and commitment to it as if it was a job absolutely and it uh you know, it's got a big payoff, but it also knocks you down a little bit. Comes with a price. Comes with a big price. Some people, it's easier than others to go on tour. Um, 
not just because of like financial reasons, just because like suits their life a little bit better and stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can only imagine because I'll do, you know, I've gone on, you know, I'll do three events in three weeks mm-hmm. or something and come coming just even just doing that, like local stuff. Yeah. Like I went to Woodbooger for three days and came back and I'm like experiencing that post what do you call it? PST day? Yeah, Post right. skate trip disorder? Post skate trip depression. That's the one. It's real. Like, you go back to work on Monday, and I'm like, what? Like, I was acting like an absolute wild man 24 yeah. hours ago, and now I'm back, like, having to act normal, and, like, uh-huh. nothing happened. And, like, yeah, it's it's pretty much the meme with the kids standing in the room being like, none of these people know <laughs> that I can kickflip kind of deal, but it's like, none of these people know that I live in, like, a subculture that pretty much is like better than anything in real life. Like <laughs> real life, I don't give a shit if you go get a you know a great girlfriend and get like a uh, house and like you got everything going great in your life. It's sick and that's that's consistent happiness. But you go on a skate trip and you're gonna hit a high that no one else really gets to feel in life. Like yeah, li- like honestly, that much in anything. Uh, especially if you really like skating that much. Like I skating has like always been the thing I like more than anything. So to be on a six week trip or a three month trip, you know, in Europe or something, when it really by two and a half months in, you're telling yourself this is real life, like this is life, and then you come out of it, you're like, Oh my god, like Scotty and Scotty got it bad, dude. Scotty got post skate trip depression, probably worse than I've ever seen anybody get. And it's cause his first time leaving the country, he did six months three months in Europe. I mean, three months in Europe and three months in America. He maxed up both of his visas. And for six months, I mean, Scotty was famous by the end of that tour, dude. Like, I'm talking... Oh, yeah. In Europe, like, like at K&K and stuff, like, it was amazing. And it didn't, like, go to his head or anything, but, like, it's hard to become famous with not feeling some type of a way about yourself. And, like... Yeah. Then you go back to real life and, like, nobody even knows that I'm the best skateboarder in the world. This house, I imagine Scotty's looking at life. He's like, yo, yeah. this fucking, like, I'm the best, yo. And, like, even he's not cocky, but, like, that's what you just came off being told. Yeah, Everyone no one's going to understand. Yeah. Like, there's a very small percentage of people that are, like, yeah. Like, they know what's up, but. Yeah. yeah, man, I can't imagine doing that for six, seven, eight months a year. And, dude, I do it for a couple weeks, and I'm like, fuck. Yeah. Like, what am I doing? That, that, that was in reality the the main reason I finally made the move to Asheville. I was like, yeah, I kind of want to just be like really happy where I'm at day by day. Like I, when I first moved here, skating a bunch. But honestly, skating, not every day. I was getting myself into tons of new activities. I play a bunch of frisbee golf now, even before yeah. my injury. And like just branching out a little bit, you know. And it's like it makes you appreciate skating even more sometimes. Absolutely. And you don't ever have those crazy lows, which is a huge up a big thing for me um like what you said like discovering other things is it's nice when you have the tool like the things you like to do in your backyard it takes the stress load off at least me i'm like i could go skate today Uh, but i don't have to yeah yeah absolutely like the roads aren't going anywhere if i have one down moment when i feel like i need it it's just right there it's right there skating for me takes one run i don't care how bad of a mood i was in or anything like that i'm like good to go incredible well yeah uh let's uh i think i got another guest question here I'm excited to see who we can kind of we can kind of change it up a little bit we, we uh we've been kind of riffing on this uh-huh. for a little bit uh got a guest question from david bubier here Ooh. goes 
Hey, Dan, uh, this is David. I heard you were interviewing Chase, and I wanted to call in a question. Um, Chase, I was wondering who you thought would win in a fight. Uh, James Kelly dual-wielding dervishes or Frodo with only one leg? Sweet. Uh, yeah, thanks. Uh, can't wait to hear your answer. <laughs> Sorry, I cut him off a little early. Oh my god, amazing question. Um, well, listen, what, what do you think? I don't even fuck with Frodo, dude. That dude, the whole movie, <laughs> huge ego issue. You know, he needs to get his shit straight. So, and I love James Kelly, obviously, uh, biggest uh, role model looking up in skating. So, I'm picking James Kelly with dervishes. That being Dual said, wielding. James Kelly, if you're watching this, I have only one critique. David Bouvier put out a video flipping the switch remake. And uh, this video was made in all respect, you know, to memorize the uh, the original, you know. And David caught a little bit of shade from it, from James Kelly. And he, he shared it and didn't have the most positive things to say. That, w- that, was, that was disappointing to see, is all I'm saying. Wait, how long ago did this happen? Still me a couple years ago. Maybe like one year ago, David was out in California, refilmed, flipping the switch, corner for corner, shot for shot, same music, everything. It was him and... Was it him and Chris or was it him and... God, I forget exactly. Maybe it was uh, John Slug. I think it was John Slug, dude. Dude, I'm gonna have to revisit this. I re- I, I recall this happening, but and yeah, you know, James, he took it the wrong way, is what I like to tell myself. You know, because I met James in Europe for the first time this past year, and that was a pretty legendary moment. That's awesome. Fuck with that dude. <laughs> Shout out James Kelly. Shout out James Kelly. Come hang out. Here's here's a good little story for you. Uh, we're at the first race in Europe this past year in Italy, and. The campsite sucks ass. It's like a gravel parking lot. Um, there's nothing to like. There's nothing there except for a brothel, is what it is. And it's like ran by like this like Italian mobster who like the locals are telling us is like not a nice guy. And we're like, yo, it's it's shitting rain. It's like thunderstorm, and the only building is a brothel. And like there's nightclub music going on inside, and it looks like fun. There's a bar in there, and we're like, yo. Can we come and make your brothel, like, there's no one in there, it's totally empty. I was like, can we come make it, like, a nightclub? Like, we'll buy tons of drinks, we'll pay you for coming in, like, an entry fee. Yeah. We don't want to have sex with anybody, you know? We're just, like, here to have fun, you know? And, uh, <laughs> and uh, dude, at first he's like, fuck, no. And, like, shoes us off, and then after we keep sending Italian people to go talk to him, you know? To, like, try to get a little insight on him, you know? He finally says yes, and we go in there, and we get... I mean, shit-faced at this bar because it's the first event in Europe. We're all cooped up, excited to go to Europe, you know? And we're in this brothel and we're buying tons of drinks, dude. And uh, we're already drunk by this point. It's like 2 a.m. or like j- definitely past midnight. James Kelly comes walking in and we're all like, <gasps> never met James Kelly, you know? And he walks straight up to Scotty and is like, yo, dude, I hear you're like a badass. Can I buy you a drink? And we're like, oh, no <laughs> way. And then the best part comes out. He buys him a drink. James walks off for a second, and Scotty's like, "Like, is that?" Uh, he like doesn't even know it's James Kelly. Really. Like he had a feeling it was James Kelly, but he didn't even know. He didn't even know who the fuck James Kelly was, dude. <laughs> who is that guy? Who's that guy? Who's that? Who's that dude? Yeah. Oh, like, so that, that was pretty legendary. Moment. Incredible. Yeah. Oh man. All right. Uh, let's see. You said you moved here in the van, but. Uh, you kind of got a new pad now. Yeah, we got a new pad. Me and uh, me and Will Royce, we went in together. I uh, I moved out here in my van, lived in it for a bit. Actually, had to move out of it because I cannot stand fully up in my van. I have to like hunch 
and I had a rib slip out in my upper chest, and it was like bulging, and it was insanely painful. And Whoa. I went went to a chiropractor a few times, and like he couldn't really get it in, and he said it would naturally go in once the uh, inflammation went down. And he said the only way that's going to happen is if you change your lifestyle. He said. I told him I'm a, I bend over a lot because I do construction, but like that's not really the issue. I was like, but I live in a van and I do this, and like he's like, that is it. And uh, <laughs> so pretty much that was like the turning point. I just get rid of my van and get a bigger one, or finally put an end to the van lifing. And uh, I've been wanting to buy property for a long time, and uh, wasn't able to afford it by myself. So me and Will actually, we found the spot and we went in it together. It's got a couple houses on it and stuff, and so we split it and. Uh, yeah, we're both making payments on it together. Looks epic. Very exciting. It's going to be a skate compound. Whole commune going on over there. Possibly a cult. <laughs> we'll check it out. Yeah. I'm, I'm in. I'll, I'll drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's awesome to hear. It's uh, it's cool to have new people kind of move in. and I mean, I've, I've considered you like an honorary member of NC anyways. Like, you basically, you spend probably more time here than, than most that come to visit, so... I knew it was only a matter of time. Yeah, I, I felt the same way. I knew it was happening one day. Yeah, it was It was going to happen. So, long time coming. And Will's pretty much my... Uh, Will's one of my biggest heroes in skateboarding. That guy has the most fun, and he's done it for almost longer than anybody. He was They were doing the prime time when Will was making, you know, not big money off of skateboarding, but Will at, you know, was making enough money from his sponsors that he didn't have a job. He was a full-time skateboarder just making money off that. And I've never had that. And... Oh, that everybody who had that lifestyle when the money left they left because they like became jaded about it like you want yeah. me to go back to paying full price for like what i was getting for free and will was like i don't give a shit like i'm in and uh he's still hosting outlaw races every weekend and he's out there oh, yeah. skating you know surfboards with no shoes on them down the shire you know that dude's having a blast yeah like he's living the li- like yeah will is Will's the man. He's about this downhill shit, and mm-hmm. like not too many people are. Yeah. He's not only that. He's like still. He's always been good, but he's like still like getting better. Yeah. Will's good. <laughs> if ever, no, no one even knows how good Will is at street skating. I when I first moved out here, I was going to the skate park a decent bit before I found out my lift was fucked. And uh, dude, watching Will at the skate park, he's like better than most street skaters ever at the skate park like he'll show up and kids will stop skating and start watching will boys got moves and i'm like dude every time he blows my mind i'm like dude how the fuck are you so good and he is also like doesn't see himself as like a, you know that great of a street skater and i'm like dude you're fucking crazy good yeah he's he's got he's yeah. got some skills yeah if you put some time into that will could probably fucking goddamn go pro in street skating yeah yeah if he just <laughs> stopped longboarding yeah <laughs> for sure uh I think uh, let's uh, let's kind of get into your uh, into your sponsor stuff here. Okay. Um, you got a pro model board that just came out recently, yep. correct? Let's yep. let's get this thing in the shot here. Okay. For the go. people, I'm gonna grab this board real quick. So, uh, what do we got here, Chase? What are you what are you working with here? So this is my uh, my Pantheon pro model. Um, it's like the second edition. I had one before this with Jeff and Pantheon. Um, this is a new one. I love it. And, uh, um, you know, pretty much everything like I was trying to get to with the last board. Uh, but uh, 
I don't know. It's awesome. Jeff's a super sick dude. He pretty much gives me like full creativity like on anything. Like I came up with the graphic. I obviously did not draw the graphic. Uh, a guy named Eddie Kim does our graphics for us. Um, but he let me come up with the graphic. He but when it, he'd come up with an idea for the board, and if I said like I'm not really feeling that, he was actually like, "Word, it's your fucking board. We're gonna do it your way," which is pretty rare from what I've heard from a lot of other people making boards. Sometimes people building them look pretty set on their ways. No doubt. Um, and then uh, you know I ride these way too expensive of trucks that I get questions about every single day, always asking. Uh, Man, would you pay for those if you didn't get them for free? No, I would not pay for those if I did not get them for free. And not because they're not worth it, but because when would I have enough money to pay that much for trucks? Like, I'm broke as shit all the time. So I would ride Paris Savants because they cost like 60 <laughs> bucks. Um, uh, but they're amazing trucks. Like, I really love them more than anything, but like, would never have that kind of money to spend on them. If you, it's got some weight to it. Yeah, it, it's heavy as shit. My board is. Uh, Feels like there's a weight on this. Yeah, the board itself you know thick but not actually heavy the trucks those are some big ass chunks of metal so they're super heavy um but jared rojas guy awesome dude really he's just like hyped on the community it is not his full-time job and he does not like you can't just go make like place orders for these trucks anytime it's like when he feels like making some he'll make some and make them for order and stuff but people always ask me like how do i buy them and you can't just buy them full-time because the guy has shit going on. Just got to be lucky. He's got to be lucky, kind of. Um, What's up with the wheels? What you got going on with these? These are my pro model wheels from Seismic. Um, I uh, do pretty much the only wheel I skate besides dumpers. Um, I do all my racing on them. People always ask me what size wheels I race. Like when you had the 80 mils, when you had the other ones, I pretty much just ride these full-time. Um, I don't like changing things when it comes to racing that much. It's like find what I like and stick with it. Um, but yeah, they're fucking dope ass wheels. You know, they're great for racing, fresh. And then once you break into them, they're not like these are slidey wheels. Like Seismic makes you know nice slidey wheels, so like uh, super fun to free ride. And then the lips, man, these things blow off so good. Whenever you get once you get to them, they're real thin. Bevel them up, and one of my favorite free ride wheels is just these wheels, but beveled. Hell yeah. 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 Pro model, pro board. Yeah. Shout out Seismic Pantheon. Pick them up somewhere. At yeah. whatever skate shops they, exist still. They got them in places. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. So, uh, you making any royalties? Yeah. I, I, uh, I, make, uh, I make royalties with my board. Jeff is very generous with the uh, amount that he pays me. He gives me like, a really good royalty with it. Initially, tip, right now we're not doing it. Um, I mean, if I, if I was set on it i'm sure that he would do it um but i'm not now i'm like not so strapped on cash that it's not a big deal but jeff used to do a we usually do orders of my boards by the hundred so we get a hundred made at a time and uh he'd pay me up front for the all of the uh, boards at once before they've sold oh sick which as a company is a huge risk because now you yeah. like doubled down on how much you have invested in them so you really need to sell them um, i see i see and he's always been great because he knows a, one big payment i can use that to go on tour the constant little bit each month, you don't feel it as much. So uh, that was crazy helpful. He did that when I was full-time racing. Right now, we're not doing it. I'm just getting monthly payments on them, which is still sick. Extra money on, oh, yeah. on the side, you know. And the boards have been selling really good, which I really appreciate anybody who's been buying my board. I do. Uh, it, sometimes I'll be down real bad one month, and then boom, like a couple, a few hundred bucks hits my bank account, and I'm like, fuck, yes. <laughs> so like, thank you, people buying that. <laughs> Hell yeah. And then me and Seismic have a little bit of a different deal worked out um, for my royalties where it's more travel incentives and stuff like that. Um, but yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's good you're getting some kickback. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You know, 
um, definitely should get some kickback. Well deserved. I don't have any discount codes for anything. <laughs> quit, quit asking me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. That's that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, get, I get that one a lot. They're like, "What's the discount code?" I'm like, "Dude, I never had one." Dude, no discount. No, dude, I'm I'm a fan of your race wheels. So I got a chance to ride a set of the the plums earlier this year. Hit hit paradise and a few roads on them. And dude, they you know they kind of grip like a magnum when they're when they're fresh. They got some grip to them. Dude, with no fresh, you can race them absolutely competitively against anything else um, yeah i'll i'll be honest with you you need to have better form than people on magnums if you're on magnums they just have more give to them you can be a little more uh you know off your board and it's still going to be totally fine the alphas you need to stay on top of them for them to like perform as good as they should um which is fine some people it really fits their style a lot some people it doesn't fit so well but i do appreciate when i see somebody switch to them when they needed, you know, like less wheel and they almost like take some advantage of having a little bit less, you know, and like really look oh, good yeah. on the size mix. I think they're, I mean, I wrote them and they're, uh, they're a little, they're a little more nimble. Like mm-hmm. they got the grip to them, but I found, I was like, I'm a little more nimble and kind of like, I feel like I can be a little bit more darty and stuff with them. Mm-hmm. And with cornering, it's not as, you know, some bigger wheels can be a little clunky mm-hmm. turning and stuff. So definitely, definitely good product. Yeah, there might be some new, uh, new, you know, rendition of the Alpha possibly coming into fruition pretty soon. Oh yeah, we've been doing working up a little something over yeah. there, working yeah. up something, Hook up a little something, you know. I don't know any release dates or things like that, but this might be something coming. Okay, yeah. stay tuned, folks. Uh-huh. All right, uh, I think this is a good time. We're gonna hit some more hot takes here. I like to ask, <laughs> I like to ask some everyone these questions, kind of when we get towards the end, revise this list a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so. First one I'm going to ask, what's your favorite type of pavement to skate? I like thick pavement. Thick. Thick. Yeah. Can you elaborate? Yeah, you know, I don't want it to be chunder, but I want it to be like six years old. Okay. At least. At least six years old. Like, blacktop and so smooth and it's like nice, but did you never like get this correct dig in? Like, not blacktop, like aged blacktop where it's gray but still butter smooth. Yeah. You dig into it, but you just don't dig into it quite right, I feel like. And when it's yeah. like, it's got a little bit more thickness to it, you know? Like, ooh, the wheels are wailing so consistent and smooth and, like, you in the pavement a little bit. Like, I ride dumpers because I like to be in the pavement. Mm-hmm. And then if you get yourself a thicker pavement, you're even deeper in it to where you have, like, the most feeling and you can trust it a lot, I find. What What is a, a road you would kind of describe to have that kind of, like, thick pavement? So Judy has pretty much like the perfect thick pavement in my eyes. Um, let's see, an NC road with that kind of pave. Um, you know Tatanka. Ha- okay. Have you ever been at Tatanka? Yeah, no? I have. Okay, so Tatanka, that pavement is like, it's thick that makes it slidey. You know, like, because it's like, you're not making such perfect contact with the pavement with your wheel because there's like gaps in between little pieces of it. Yeah. It's also the stuff that gives you pretty bad road rash, but it like, you dig into a super nice and it makes it usually slidier because you don't have such good contact with the road that is some of my favorite because that that's like that like uh i'm just gonna kind of call out a spot it's like that lake lure sort of like sparkly pave Mm -hmm. type shit that is uh i was talking to deitch with this he's like that is like the best pave a lot of it in that area is kind of aged now Mm -hmm. i mean it's fine but that is i like that shit too yeah that's good stuff yeah no doubt about it good stuff 
All right, moving on. Round lip versus square lip. Which one you taking? Taking. I'm taking round lips. Yeah, you know, square ten, lips are fine, but they have like an objective. Was square, you know, round lips are just they're there for everything. They got your back. You know. Absolutely. Mm. Uh, best style. We're gonna do men and women. Men and women, best style. Yeah. Okay. Let's see here. In your opinion. In my opinion. Um, so I'm going to split it into two categories for you, if you don't mind. I, I'm in. I'm going to go for glove down racing style. Diego has my favorite style um, in men's and women's. Glove down racing style in women's. This is a really tough call. I know. Really tough call. Hmm. Well... I mean, Emily's just got it so good. It's yeah. it, it's hard, you know, <laughs> you know. But I have seen girls with like something almost maybe like sicker style sometimes, maybe less effective. Yeah, you're not gonna want to race with that style, but it's badass. Mm-hmm. Like uh, like Joe from Europe has awesome style, dude. She does this fucking uh, squat 180s, and then she switch squats like a K and K. She's not big into standing up toe sides, but she competes in the no glove down. So she does like heel side squats and then 180s them and then just switch squats. Oh, I love that. Wildly cool style. Um, you, you know, but Emily got that glove down style. And then for overall free ride in women's, Rydell out of the Philippines. She, shout out. Dude, shout out Rydell. She is crazy good. She's gonna like I hope she stays skating as much as she does, because if she does, she's going to be the best, 100%. Um, and then best free rider for men's. Um, yeah, you know, David Boubier is probably one of my favorite people to watch skate. Um, same, same. Like, favorite, like, style. I think Scott's the best, and, like, I'm never going to not click on an immediate or run that Scott's put out, because, like, I got to see it, you know? But it's, like, that style and ooze that David has, you know? He's doing, like, switch, switch nose blunt, you know, checks and shit. And I'm like, yo, dude, my body doesn't even work that way. Like, my brain doesn't even work that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, dude. You know? Excuse me, I'm burping over here. All right. If you had to pick an all-star lineup of people to go out skating with all day, who are you taking? Where are you going? Okay, okay. I'm going to... God, what a tough question, dude. I should have prepared myself for this. Um, let's <laughs> let's start with the lineup. Yeah. I'm taking Scott. I'm taking David. I'm taking Adam Hieronymus. He no longer skates anymore, but this is hypothetical. The dude's shredding again. Um, and then who else do we need on this list, dude? Probably like one Pablo and Will. You know, those are, yeah. that's a pretty. That's probably my lineup. Right that's there. a good lineup. That's a good lineup. That's, that's going to be a great day we're going to have. Uh, and then let's go skate Turkey, dude. Oh, hell yeah. It's turkey all day. Turkey all day. I'm talking halfway through the session, we're all drunk, you know, because you're skating turkey. It's like you're not going above 15 miles an hour. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I would love that. That's probably my, you know, perfect day right there. I love that. Yeah. Uh, who's the goat? Scott. Hell yeah. Scott for food. I did go for racing. Yep. Yeah. Easy calls. Yeah, those are easy calls. Easy calls, you know. Yeah. I mean. Someone step up to it. The, the opportunity's there. You know, go get it. it. Is. But right now I see those two as being the best. I agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, last one, most underrated, in your opinion. Most underrated. Most underrated. This is a tough one, dude. Really tough one. 
Um, didn't mean to try and stump you. Yeah, you stumped but... me on this one. <laughs> you did. You got me good. I'm, I I, brew, I I brought in a couple new ones. Did you after this one? You say okay, okay. I was... So I yeah, I was like, man, we don't talk about the underrated enough. No, so. we don't talk about the underrated enough. That's a hard one. Um, it can be for racing or for your ride. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, let's go for food. I'd, um, you know. I don't think he's quite. He's on his way to being underrated right now. People still don't think even know who he is. But Tees out of Europe, dude, absolute shredder. Yeah, and he's still like real young into it, you know. So like he's only got infinite potential to go. But this kid, kid at Vulcan, you've never seen anything like. He's got that energy where like he gets to the bottom of the run and sprints to the gondola to go back up and oh gets off the gondola and sprints to the top of the road to drop back in love and to like, see it when you got that kind of excitement for skating pff, you're gonna get good real quick oh um, yeah yeah some uh alternative shout outs like Lorenzo, um amazing skater dude i love watching him he's uh he's been doing the stand-up pendies all the way stood up just milking him through the corner it was crazy effortless really cool to watch Back to the stand-up pendy. Yeah, back to the stand-up pendy, dude. I have a lot of uh, appreciation for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, yeah. Um, guess we're kind of getting there. Yeah, yeah. Um, you got any got any other things you kind of wanted to, to bring up? Or any uh, shout-outs or thank yous or any kind of words, hmm. comments? Let's see. Um, you know, shout out the Asheville scene, really. Um, last night we were at a crab boil. Pff, I mean, what a scene, dude. Will Damn Shredder hosted the whole squad over at his house, cooked up just fucking 25 pounds of crab for everybody and a bunch of stuff. And that kind of stuff is going down in Asheville 24 7. Like, people were skating all day, every day, multiple sessions happening. But, like, outside of that, like, the scene's just, like, sick and they're just, like, kicking and having fun, you know, like, 24 7. Super happy place to be. Oh, yeah. absolutely it's what it's all about you know? yeah great community here for sure for sure i uh i couldn't agree more we got a pretty unique setup going on out here so ever find yourself in the southeast yeah I get, also yeah you ever come visit nashville i got a place to stay so you know hit me up you get a couch get at chase come that couch man <laughs> <laughs> all right well uh I really appreciate you coming on and, you know, kind of sharing some words today. Thank you for having me on. Seriously, I was very excited whenever you asked me. Oh, dude. I appreciate it. Long time coming. Uh, you know, been thinking about getting you on here for a while, so glad we could make it happen. Yeah. Heck yeah, dude. Well, thank you.